Welcome to the 330th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on April 2nd, 2023. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and I'm also 50% of this here show. With me is the man whose only job is to keep me awake for the length of this recording, Carlos Rodella. I'll try, but I got low energy too, buddy. Oh, buddy, I am so tired right now, and I was, I'm was i sitting here, and my back hurts, my shoulder hurts, my eyes are half closed. I don't know what my deal is. I didn't do anything. I mean, I haven't run a marathon. I haven't done any recent triathlons or anything. I'm not sure why I'm so tired, but... Yikes, man. I'm just feeling pretty low. I'm going to need you to boost me d- during the show, brother. I, I think we also need like a third party booster because, <laughs> which is a good name for the podcast. Um, but yeah, because like, I don't know. My stomach is doing weird things, which it does, which I've talked about in the podcast, so I won't go back into. And I, I got no energy. So I don't know if yeah, I'm boosting. Man, I don't know. I got to like, I, I mean, I maybe I should have like pounded a Red Bull or something before the show because I'm just, I'm dragging right now, man. I don't know what to do, but maybe the talk of games will boost us. I guess. Let's get to it, and our mutual love of video games and everything associated will 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 carry us uh, on, yeah. like, on on the wings of love, as they say. In that oh, on the wings of a dove. Yeah. Wait, what song is that? Uh, on um, the wings of love. I think that's it's on the wings of love. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 it's a good song. Right. I, I bring that up because last night I was. Uh, hanging out with my 13 year old and we were just screwing around. We didn't really have anything to watch. And so we were hitting YouTube because he likes to watch meme videos and holy cow, those make me want to kill myself. (laughs) But after we got done watching meme videos, I'm like, well, let's look at something else. And we saw a compilation of music videos. It was, uh, what was the number one song every month, every year since 1980? Wow. And so we started at January 1980 and then it went to February 1980 and then March 1980 and they showed just like just like 30 seconds of each number one music video from that time since the 80, since 1980. And man, that was some good times. I wish they had showed more of the songs a little bit cuz I think like like 1 minute would have been good, but uh we went through and like that I think that was one of the songs I'm pretty sure it was. On and, the uh, Wings of Love by Jeffrey Osborne. Jeffrey Osborne. 1982. What a smooth, what a smooth mm. man. What a great voice. Yeah, there were so many, so many awesome songs. It was just like this like major nostalgia trip. And it was interesting, too, because you could see trends over the years, like all c- condensed like that. Like, uh, I mean, number one, Madonna had more hits than anybody else. It was like every other song was Madonna. And you can see her from like her like a virgin days in the 80s. And then she got like progressively like weirder and weirder and weirder as time went on. And there were certain years where I like I didn't know any of the songs, dude. Like 2006, I was like, what was I? Was I in a coma in 2006? I didn't know any of those songs. At 2016, also had no idea who these people were, what these songs were. It was really strange. But then uh, a lot of them were pretty interesting. Like a lot of them were like really good, you know, classic hits and stuff. So I want to I want to go through it now after this podcast because yeah, man, it was really fun. It was yeah. Fun. Also, yeah. um, what was it? Uh, yeah, 1980s or whatever like yeah I, the, um, the sugar cubes and bjork have recently popped up on my tiktok because again people think tiktok's one thing and it's all cringe and dancing and stuff it's not it's it's whatever you want and it's the for you page really does listen to what you are into um so anyways recently i've been getting old music videos so it's funny you should say that mm-hmm. and this morning yeah sugar cubes and bjork uh, you know, the Sugar Cues were her first band. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Um, just showed up and like, it was just awesome to see like her 
you know, doing human behavior for the first time, well, like on stage and stuff. Yeah, and so, yeah. but I'm seeing that stuff on TikTok. So, right on. Well, okay. So, speaking of mm. TikTok, yeah. Perfect segue because we are now talking about uh, the housekeeping section where we're just uh, sharing a virtual living space. As listeners know, it's Carlos and I having a big room divided down the middle of the strip of duct tape. Um, and this is where we talk about, you know, mostly game related stuff, although I think this is kind of tangentially related. Um, so to get like real fucking not funny and super serious for a second here, uh, the restrict bill. Have you heard about the restrict bill that's going on I right have. now, Carlos? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So this is big news. This is a four alarm red flag all hands on deck everybody who values freedom needs to get up and do something about this this is what is formerly known as like the tiktok ban um i'm not going to get into all the details but you know a lot of uh dummy heads in washington dc picked tiktok as their target honestly i think it's because it's a chinese company and they are racist fucks and so it's not really about tiktok because if that's what we cared about we would have um nailed facebook to the wall decades ago for the same shit they're doing uh, but basically, they're using this as a lever to kind of pry open their way into the legal system and to bring all sorts of uh, control and observation into our society. Uh, basically, Google the restrict bill. Um, it, it's like a long thing. I can't, I'm not going to give you the URL right here, but like, Google the restrict bill. And what this means is that Republicans in America right now, they want to enact a really wide sweeping set of legislations, which basically means they can look through anybody's camera. They can check anybody's search history. They can scan anybody's computer, any device that uses the Internet. They have free access to. Uh, they do not need to tell you they're searching it. They can search anything they want, anytime they want. And the parameters for the search can change at a moment's notice with no uh, no notification to the public. The people in charge of that are appointed. They are not voted in. They have no accountability to anyone. Uh, so it's basically like this little shadow cabinet of people who are going to be spying on all of America. Uh, if that sounds scary to you, and it really, really should, you need to talk to your local uh, senators and congresspeople, anybody, legislators, anybody that you know, and get them to say no to the restrict bill. The penalties for this are insane. Um, if they catch you, you know, quote unquote, catch you. For example, if you were on um, a VPN and you wanted to watch TikTok in another country or you wanted to just like see some content from whatever international place, if they thought that you were, uh, quote unquote, contacting a foreign power, that's 20 years in jail and a one million dollar fine minimum. So that's crazy. This is a really big clampdown on freedom. It's a really big clampdown on the Internet, and it's going to give Republicans basically unlimited power to spy on anyone or anything they want. This is not a joke. This is not a gag. This is real. Uh, so you need to go and tell your local people, congressmen, senators, legislators, anybody, anybody, tweet Joe Biden, good old Uncle Joe, please do not support the restrict bill. We need to get this thing killed like ASAP. Tweeting Joe Biden does absolutely nothing. but It does um, fuck all nothing. You're right. Um, I just cough laughed for a second because I'm like, this is a video game podcast. And this is the, our intro to the game podcast. Um, it's a very important thing. Yes, the restrict bill is super important. I have a, a different take because that's how we do this podcast. I don't know that there is even a second take on this. The, I am well. You there, can't say that I have don't have a take because I do. I'm, I have I mean, a go second ahead. take. I'm uh, okay. I'm, I'm listening. Yeah, just listen because you you'll be fine. We've done this show long enough that you know you'll probably be fine. It's not going to be some All extreme right. opposite uh, opinion. But I will say this: um, I'm just and maybe it's a low energy, you know, and um, and when I feel like uh, physically defeated, I feel also just like mentally defeated. But I just feel like. Uh, well, here's this, the alternate take is that it's not Republicans. I mean, Republicans are awful. We, you know, the current 
Republicans set up is like a travesty. But this is bipartisan. So, you know, this has nothing to do with, I don't think it's really like the, the right agenda. This country has always wanted to control its people. It's done a very good job of it forever. Um, so it's actually not a new thing. And this, similar to the Homeland Security Act, sure. which is like a million pages, and they could basically yes. say, like, they could come into my house right now and take me away. Um, that's already legal. Uh, my my alternate takes is one, it's bipartisan. So it's it's. I don't think the specific thing you're talking about is Republican pushed. The whole country uh, slash, you know, kind of shady government wants to, you know, uh, spy on its people. Uh, I think the other... Um, alternate take it were just like the sad take is that I think it's just going to happen. Like just like the Homeland Security, we all were all up in arms about that and it sucked, but they used like a fake war, um, you know, and a, a kind of a big brother kind of thing to push it through. And they did it. They, they were very successful at doing that. And everyone was like, you know, look the other way. And um, they, I mean, they fought it, but they couldn't do anything about it. So my defeatist attitude today is that it's going to happen, but Third alternate take is that that 20 years in prison, all that kind of stuff, it's real hard to do. I mean, if you have, if you can lawyer up, you're fine. If you can't, which a lot of us can't afford a lawyer in that way, you might be in trouble. But like, I don't know, all these kind of extreme, um, you know, 20 years in prison, blah, blah, blah. They're there. But I mean, how many times did they get enacted? Well, I am not one to push that luck. I do well, not I'm not either. But... Yeah. I mean, we, you know, so... Uh, who knows, right? Who knows? I mean, they used the uh, the Homeland Security Act and the Patriot Act and all that stuff. I mean, a lot of bad shit happened. Um, not to like every single American, clearly, because they couldn't do it to like every single person. That, in the country, that's what but, I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, I mean, by you know, but a lot of bad shit happened, and we don't have to get into that now. But but regardless, we need to stop as as much as we can, like slow this down, stop it from happening, because this could extend to your video game playing on your PC. It, it extends to like uh, Xboxes, PlayStation, Switches, any literally anything that uses the internet can be used uh, yeah. to whatever degree they want to. And I'm just really, really concerned because it's not going to just be about that right it's not going to be about vpn people looking at tiktok from china or something it's going to be uh, uh somebody who has an enemy and they're going to use that to spy on their enemy right like a political rival it's going to be uh somebody who is going to bug up their butt about trans people and they're going to start searching google history for trans any kind of like trans medication or transitioning stuff they're going to like hone in on people and find them um it's going to be I think this is even worse than the Patriot Act, honestly, because it just goes further. And everybody's online these days. Like, literally everybody's online basically all day, every day for everything, unless you're like a small child. So I feel like this is 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 also bad, but also I think also worse. Well, so. let me let me and I kind of agree with most of what you said. Um, I'm also just in a defeatist mood, like it's just going to happen. But um, I will say this. Did you see those court cases where the, you know, uh, I don't know who specifically was like talking to tiktok one one of the you know owners oh of when they were doing the congressional hearings yeah the hearings yeah, i saw that yeah and part of it i did the whole thing obviously but part just of it. so out of touch old guys you know yes, they're like yes. so does it use the wi-fi does it, it access the you're internet? telling me to access the internet and the kids the guys play like a video the guy's like bro <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> understand that's... phones so that's what you know that's the kind of um people we're dealing with you know like out of touch people um to kind of make it a fun side note well, not really fun at all, but... <laughs> I was going to say... This, well, I... 
<laughs> well, you'll see. This made me think of uh, Fahrenheit 451, which is one of my favorite books. Also a big comedy classic, sure. Comedy. It's like a comedy wall to wall. Um, it's a short read. I, I highly recommend everybody read it, especially our oh, yeah. young listeners. Yeah, you should, everybody should read it. It's such a small book, and so it's really quick to get through, but it's like so much about what we're talking about um, and this kind of like separation of uh, privacy, right? Yeah. Which has been happening since the internet started, essentially. Well, yeah. since television, really. Anyways, uh, in Fahrenheit 451, there was these uh, walls, like TV walls, in everybody's house. And they just assumed that it was okay for it to be watched. Basically, like just like Big Brother, too. These mm-hmm. TV walls like watched you back, and then you yeah. could watch stuff on them. Um, yeah. And they made it fun in Fahrenheit 451 because you could be part of a... And by the way, this is kind of virtual reality now. But you could be part of a TV show. Uh, I don't know if you remember this part, but like you'd be like, uh, you come home from work and it's, oh, it's six o'clock, I'm on. And then you turn your TV wall on and they're all watching you to do your part. So you oh, like, yeah, yeah. you're like the actor or something. Right, right. Um, oh, it's been a million years since I read that book. I, think I, I read it like in uh, junior high. I remember it like the, like the back of my hand. I love it to death. Yeah. And so anyways, that thing and Big Brothers, they also watched you though. And so yeah. you just kind of assumed it's like for the potential of positive for all my creative stuff and all the entertainment value I get out of it, I know that they're just going to watch me back. And like, you know, the privacy there is like fucked. It's like watching your living room, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, um, anywho. Yeah. Anyway, Fahrenheit 451, 1984. Coming to an apartment near you. Yeah, read those three books. That is basically exactly what's going on right now. And also, please get in touch with your your local reps and say no on the restrict bill. We got to do everything we can yeah. to not let this pass. Hey, listen, right I'm still saying you could say no. I'm just today. Carl's is saying like, it's going to happen, but well, well it may happen, but let's, let's stop it as long as let's possible. Say let's no. Delay. Just until, say no. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that was the segue there. Do you, what else you got in your, um, I don't know, but that gave you a boost. I did. I got you mad got about it because I get, I get yeah. mad about people taking away our freedom. It pisses me off. Mad yes. boost is a boost. So that's something. Uh, that is a thing. Okay. Uh, I got stuff. You got stuff. What do you got? But I told you before we let it go. I didn't give you. You didn't get angry. It was a good alternative take, right? It wasn't like. It, it was fine. It wasn't it was a fine. crazy different. It wasn't crazy. Take. Yeah, it was fine. All right. Um, I have a couple of things. One, E three's canceled, so there's another happy subject. Yeah, you know, I was actually thinking about that earlier today. You've been to several E threes. I've been to several E threes. Now they just announced that this year, 2023, is canceled. Uh, what they just like didn't have enough attendance or not enough uh, participants or something like that? Do you no. know what was the reason they gave? No, it's over, over, dude. Like they said, the industry doesn't care anymore. Uh, no, no, no. I read it. They said it's canceled this year. There may be, there may be more. They didn't close the door permanently. Well, it, I'll, I'll close it for you. Just like <laughs> the, just like the the uh, security bill. No, I shouldn't say that. But I'm, it's done, dude. It's done. I've I've watched enough stuff on it. We can talk on it for a second. But like. It's definitely canceled this year because of not because of attendance. Fucking people. No, I, I it. meant to say the the you know the people buying the booths and stuff. Not yes, attendance, like yeah, people, yeah, yeah. but like per- yeah. participants of from corporates. Industry participation yes, that's what is I meant to say, yes. is nil, nil. Like like small companies only. Yeah, like like Microsoft's out, Nintendo's out, Ubisoft uh, out, Ubisoft. Uh, everybody out, else, everybody Sony's out. out. Yeah, everybody. Every all the big dogs are out. Well, even the medium dogs. Yeah, like. Five or six other companies pulled out right before they said no, that yeah. we're not doing it. So, yeah, I think it's done, done. Because, again, Bethesda, um, Ubisoft, a bunch of these other companies this year are going to do uh, a showcase, 
right? They're still going to do it during that time Individual period. showcases? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah sure. And then Microsoft already has their studio down there, um, the Microsoft Center, which we've both been to, I think. And they just do a sh- E3 show anyhow, right? Like yeah, they, do they do their per- yeah. presentation. So with all that being said, if there weren't uh, those companies doing their own thing, then maybe it comes back. But I think it's done, 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 done. And I'm I sad mean, about prob- it. You're way. probably right. I mean, they didn't officially close the door. But yeah, I mean, it's, it seems pretty unlikely they'd be able to come back at this point. Yeah. But uh, I believe me, I'm very sad about it. I, I do want to talk about it for a second because I have a lot of memories. I went to seven of them or something. That's probably a lot. seven. I don't, know. I don't know that I went to seven, but I went to like several. I went to more than three. I don't know that I went to seven, but between three and seven, I went to. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, so it, it's interesting that I feel like E3 was seen as like this mecca of technology and gaming, but also I think technology is kind of what's killing it as well because, um, like you said, people can do their own showcases. They get just as many hits on YouTube or through their own direct channels. They can pipe it directly to their console. Xbox makes a video in Redmond, and then it goes straight to your Xbox. It's like the first thing on the homepage when you open up. Or same thing for Sony or Nintendo, right? You go to you open up your Switch, there's the Switch Direct right on the homepage when you open up. So do you even really need to do this anymore? These, these options weren't there before, so it made sense to have a centralized show. But everybody has, you know, business meetings through email. You can send somebody a YouTube link. You can send somebody... Uh, you know, a TikTok or whatever, uh, you know, like online um, beta testing, uh, you know, like when we do previews at Game Critics, all the previews, almost all the previews, 90% of the previews are online. Uh, they're not, you don't have to fly anymore uh, to go anywhere. So, yeah, it seems like technology kind of killed the thing that was the champion for technology, ironically. Yeah. And also it started at CES, you know, which was about the newest technologies. Um, E3 essentially did, you know, that was like the first version at the gaming, uh, center in CES. So I have a very strong opinion about this. A, it's not even a hot take. It's just, you know, a lot of people echo what I've been saying when I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos. I just got to see uh, a buddy of mine, John Davison, who used to work at, you know, a ton of other companies, uh, one up and all that stuff. Oh, sure. But he now is like a publisher on IGN. Um, it says publisher of IGN. I don't know if he's like. Like, I don't know, head honcho, essentially. I mean, he's been around long enough. Yeah. And um, we work together. I, I think I love his opinion. Um, I, I don't know. We just, we're old cogity men sometimes, but at the same time, uh, we still all keep up to date with everything. Anyways, he was on a, a IGN recently, and, you know, he was echoing all the thoughts that I had. But there's that thing about, that he mentioned too, which is like that ha- hands-on, you know, uh, playing of games. Like, if someone gives you a digital direct of exactly what they want you to see, then you have no idea what that game is. Um, you can see a cutscene, you can see gameplay, but they're giving you exactly what they want you to see. Sure, they're not it's letting you. beforehand. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you know, you and I both have been to enough shows that we could play games. They're half broken. They, you notice something that, that you didn't notice because you're actually playing it in the moment. Or sure. you have a better experience because you're like, oh, I played it for like two hours. It was crazy, blah, blah, blah. So there's that that's missing. The other thing that's missing is just obviously the camaraderie. Uh, me and you both having gone to enough of them, I just miss seeing people. There's all these special moments that we have life to share moments with each other. And you get to do that in those kind of settings. I have so many memories that are have not made new memories like that Yeah. since I went to those, right? Like 2016, I think was the last time I went. I you know, for five, six years or whatever, I haven't had those kind of memories in my life, which are, again, independent of the industry and ticket sales. 
It's just going, seeing John, seeing you, seeing anybody, and having special moments together and special moments with games. Yeah. Right. I remember holding this the Wii U for the first time, like and my friends being there and like us talking about it. <laughs> I don't know why that moment came to memory, uh, but or Wii the U. DS God, or something. Geez. Yes, the DS. Yes. Um so anyway, so that part is also gone. And then the last thing that I miss, which you cannot replicate in these fucking directs. I am by the way so over directs right now. The churros and hot dogs outside? No, also look at that. I forgot to mention that. Del Taco for me. In California. Um, but is the um, random shit. The fucking random shit's amazing. What do we go back at to and watch uh, E3s on YouTube for is those moments. Some developer crying in the stands or some, you know, girl coming out being overzealous uh, and crazy. Um, I forgot what her name was, but she was really funny. That one oh, year. you're talking about the girl from Platinum or whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was about. awesome. And, you know, and the, and the big fail moments. Like, I was literally in the stadiums when, or in the, like, the arena when uh, Xbox said they uh, were digital only, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then PlayStation was like, we, you, you can play used games on ours. And Were they, were the hands the game disc over and everybody yes. like, goes wild? Yeah, right? everyone's yeah, wild. Yeah, exactly. And again, it was that moment, right? It wasn't, you could do that in a direct, I guess, but not really. It's like the live element of it. So long-winded long uh, rant over. I very much think there's a place for those kind of shows. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm sad about it. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's difficult, right? Like I... When I was a kid, and I'm sure when you were a kid, E3 was like the holy fucking grail. It was like the most amazing, like, like, like Oz was a real place that you could go to it and it was called E3, you know, like we would read mm-hmm. about it in EGM, like print magazine. I'd go to Safeway or something, get a magazine off the rack. Oh shit, the E3 issue. It's like three times thicker than normal. And then like you read about it, you're like, oh my God, this looks amazing. All these games, people walking around. And the sh- the swag that they would show and all this the stuff and the glimpses. I mean, it just seemed like this incredible, far away, like majestic thing. And to be one of the few people, you and I both, lucky enough to actually go. I mean, I remember the first time I went, I was like, this is fucking incredible. I love this. this is amazing mm-hmm. seeing people. And it was one of the first times that everybody at Game Critics back with the original crew uh you know 20 years ago or whatever we got together for the first time like we we shared a hotel room two hotel rooms and we saw each other in person for like one of really the only times we ever got together in real life you know mm. and so to have all of us in one room just like you know we talked emailed and and you know did the podcast and stuff but never saw each other and so to just hang out and like have a pizza and play some soul caliber all together in the same room was like pretty incredible so yeah. that was really, that was really good um, I mean, Ethan kind of changed, though, because I, I I realize, like, I don't want to sound like a gatekeeper or anything, but, like, when it was, like, people in the industry, I feel like those were the best years. And, uh, you know, like, like being somebody who puts a lot of time and blood and sweat and tears into game critics and then getting to go to E3 uh, as as an industry person was cool. And the floors weren't super crowded. Like, like everybody was there. Like, developers were there. I met Hideo Kojima there. I met Sid Meier there. I met um, Will Wright there. I met... Um, you know, all sorts of developers there, uh, too many to even name. Right. And so to have those people there and just be able to walk around and talk to them and see what's up and get a hands on with their games and stuff was incredible. Yeah. I mean, that really changed when they opened it to the public. And of course, that was like a cost driven decision. They wanted to get more more revenue. Um, but then it kind of it just became just kind of like this giant free for all. and It was really crowded and noisy. And it, it just, I mean, it was still fun to get the previews and the hands on, but it kind of lost a little bit of that. 
of that magic quality to me. And I know that some people are like, well, that's not fair. We wanted to get a piece of it too. Well, okay, cool. But like, it was always meant to be like an industry thing. Yes. And if you're not in the industry, then I guess you don't get to go to it. So maybe start your own website. That's what we did. We started our own fucking website. Yeah. And we put in the hard work and we did it. So like, it's not like, I mean, we were broke. We, you know, we're not some big fucking company. It was like four guys, three guys even. So, you know, anybody could have done it. It was just about, did you want to put out the effort? Did you want to make your dream happen? Um, so, I mean, I, I will miss it for sure. I always have many fond memories of it. And I, I got to say, it's always a drag to me when you get these uh, people going to E3. They bitch the whole time that they're there. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, so many meetings. This sucks. It's so loud. And then they come back and they're like, oh, man, I just I work so hard. to hate going to E3. OK, cool. Then don't go. Like, it's such a dream for so many people. And it was such a, a treat and a, a privilege to go. It really kind of tore me up to see many, many journalists who were just like so over and so burned out and done. Um, so that was a kind of an unfortunate side effect that I could have done without. But now it's gone. So I guess don't got to worry about it no more. Um, I mean, what's going to take its place? Maybe nothing. Just directs. I mean, well, PAX will still happen. I mean, PAX is still going on. Well, perfect segue. No, exactly what's going to replace it is Jeff Keeley's Summer Fest. Summer Game sure. Fest. And that's not fucking open to the public. You got to like. No, it's like a show that he puts exactly, on. Exactly, right? Exactly. Uh, which, by the way, again, is not the same thing. Like, even though it is in person and it's on a stage, it's very similar to his like game awards, you know, where it just feels like it's these presentations of stuff. Um, I mean, that's not true because like even that, the game awards can have certain moments. Uh, sure. When he did the orchestra stuff, it was pretty cool. But I think what we said earlier and what you said about it being developer only and um, I'm sorry, press and developer only. Yeah, that's my favorite time, too. And again, it wasn't being gatekeeper. It was just that's what it was made for. And then when they let people in, it, it just it can lose. Well, it can one, it could just be more crowded, but it can lose that kind of, um, you know, dedicated feeling to what the thing is and the experience is for. I kind of like the mystery of being home not being able to be there and like wondering, you know, there's something to be said about like wonderment and not knowing something. Yeah. Um, it's like, no, the developer's there and I'm going to watch the stage show and, and oh, they, they're playing it on the floor. That's crazy. I don't know. That's a little bit of me. But then when I did get to go, like you said, yeah, I never was like, oh, I have to go again. Um, it was just really cool. It just, when it got busier, it was harder to do things and have sure, those experiences. Sure. But sure. similar to you, I met like, um, Richard Garriott, who I still talk with, you know, who did Ultima and all these people that I had never thought I would meet ever. And it's because there was less people on the floor and they knew that a bunch of us were press and that's what we were yeah, doing. Yeah, they knew now. you were. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, not to sound like all, again, not to be a gatekeeper or elitist, but it's like when you showed up, they knew you were someone that like would write a story about it or you would make a video about it and they would want to talk to you because that's how press works, right? Yeah. And then as soon as people got in, it's like everybody like turned to hiding behind closed doors or people just skipped or they had offsite meetings, which we would still go to, but it kind of lost the it lost the feeling of going to the floor and walking around and being like, Oh shit, that's a day gym over there. He's showing Metal Gear. Let's go check that out real quick. Or or oh my god, hey look, that's so and so from God of War or David Jaffe or whatever. You know, before we knew he was an asshole. You know, hey, that's David Jaffe over there. He's showing God of War. Let's go check that out, and we can talk to him for a minute. You know, like that just went away, and it was such a cool thing to be able to go and see these people that we knew and talk to an email and and read stories about, and they were there. Um, so whatever. <laughs> oh wait, real quick, E three memories. One of them is I think David Jaffe. Um, he was on stage. I was doing GameSpot. Uh, running around, like interviewing everybody. That year, I I talked to everybody on the floor. I swear to you, and I they were doing a live thing, and I just like crashed it, <laughs> and I just came in with my microphone. I was like, "What's going on here?" 
And I remember <laughs> I said, I put my mic in front of uh, Jaffe's face. Or, or at first, it was actually John Davison. And I was talking to him and I was like, what's going on? Are you, so you're interviewing somebody right now or what, what the hell's going on? And he's like, yeah, I am. And he, he's, he's giving me shit. Yes. And then I go, yeah, so you're, I guess you're talking to this guy. And it was David Jaffe, but I didn't know who he was. Right, right, right. So I kind of made fun of him. And he's like, this guy. <laughs> I would pay to see that clip. I, no, I, did, I, I, did. I don't think it exists anywhere, but that no. was a moment. I did the exact same thing. I did the exact same thing. I knew um, Kirk Hamilton when he was trying to get into the industry, when he was brand new. And I went around with him for a couple years. We would like I was introducing him to people and et cetera, et cetera, before he got hired on at uh, Kotaku, I think it was. Um, but anyway, he was I saw him in the crowd one year. It was like after he had got established and stuff. I hadn't seen him for a while. So I was going to say, hey, what's up? And I, I came up to him. And I didn't realize like the way he was turned. I didn't realize he was talking to somebody. So I went right up to him like, oh, my God. Hey, Kirk, what's up? How you doing, dude? And he like totally gave, he gave me like the nastiest death stare because he was actually in the middle of an interview on the floor oh. with somebody. And I didn't see that he had his microphone out because he was turned. Damn. And I go, oh, my bad. Sorry. And I forget who it was, but it was obviously somebody famous or something. And I'm like, yeah, I just kind of slowly like do the Homer Simpson Homer back Simpson in the bushes kind of thing. Bushes, yeah. yeah, exactly. But yeah. that clip maybe is somewhere probably too. That might be somewhere. That might be somewhere. So. Um, wait, so real quick, before we leave this topic, and now we got a little bit of energy, even though my stomach still hurts. Uh, TMI. I don't need to tell you that. Uh, I was I saw Dishonored there because uh, I'm looking at old clips on YouTube because you can find me. Just type in Carlsville E3, you'll find some stuff. But I was on Dishonored and Skyrim Dawnguard. I was looking at stuff like that one year. But then, obviously, I talked to Snoop Dogg and got the nickname Los uh, from Snoop Dogg. I oh, talk- that's funny. Is that clip still somewhere? That's cup. That's up there on the internet. YouTube. Nice, nice. Um, and then I talked to Adam West before he passed. Oh, Adam um, West, man. And I don't know if I told you the story, but and I just skipped over Snoop. But you know, I think people <clears throat> have heard that story now. But Adam West, I made a, a fool of myself. Did I tell you that story? No. Did you ask him if he was Robin? No, but <laughs> uh, I, it's almost as bad. So basically, I uh, and this is all on a clip somewhere. I don't know where it is, but. Um, I go, because he was there for Family Guy. He was like a voice yeah, of Family he, Guy. Yeah, he right? did voices for Family yeah. Guy for a while, yeah. So then I asked him about a new Batman movie coming out, which I think would have been uh, Chris Nolan's maybe. I don't know. I can't remember which one it was. But I was like, oh, there's a rumor that you're going to be in it, uh, you know, in the background somewhere. Sure, sure. And he goes, no, Carlos. He, he always said my name. I don't know why. But he's like, Carlos, no, I wouldn't be on that, Carlos. Oh, that's funny. And then I go, oh, no, I thought it would be cool, because then you could be like the older Batman, you know? And then I saw his face, you know, get all upset because I said, like, he's old, you know? Yeah. I mean, he was. He fair. was. But, you know, the way I said it, I was like, sure. you could be the old Batman. And then I go, oh, no, no. I meant, I mean, like, uh, the more mature Batman, you know? Oh, jeez. Just making it worse. <laughs> shoe in my foot or <laughs> yeah. foot in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Although shoe in your foot. Shoe in my foot painful. is also a good podcast. That's name. pretty bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, anyway, so I made a fool of my, uh, myself in front of him. And then um, another one real quick before we leave was... Um, yeah, oh yeah, I produced the whole show for IDG one year. So mm-hmm. I actually was like the executive producer of like all of our coverage. And again, not it was a lot of work, but I wasn't like, oh no, you know. Yeah. It was a privilege to get to do that shit. So, it really was. It really was. It is. Yeah. Yes. Anyways, so. many memories. I'm gonna miss it. Uh and I think that this is my final thought. I think you could bring it back. I think you could make it developer focused again. I really do. I mean, publish or um press focused. And you yeah. could bring in the Twitch streamers and YouTubers because obviously you can't leave that world alone now. Right. Yeah. Right. But they could come in like TwitchCon sure. or something. But they're they're in, I mean they're included. You know they're in that world. Like reviewers, video makers, right. streamers. 
but podcast what i'm saying is stuff. you yeah. have to have the channel or a tiktok or whatever yeah or then you don't go you know it's yeah. not just like everybody and so i think if they redid it like that it could be special again I really do. I, I mean, I agree with you. I think if they if they stop being so fucking greedy, because a lot of the stories of the past few years were E3 asking higher and higher and higher fees, and people were like, what the fuck am I even doing this for? Because we could reach more people just by doing our own direct, and why should I pay you, like, you know, a kajillion dollars for this booth? Mm-hmm. If they got reasonable prices again and then did, like like you said, like a, a, a focused thing where it's podcasters, journalists, uh, streamers, YouTubers, whatever, and just those folks and kept, like... Every rando, I mean, and again, not to sound elitist, I know this probably sounds, if you're, if you're not a podcaster or if you're not a journalist or something, you're probably getting mad hearing me say that. But like, I mean, just real talk, like there's only so many people, there's only so much time of the day and you've got to really get the bang for your buck. And if you're going to have these developers there, they need to talk to people where their message is going to get out and just talking to every Tom, Dick and Harry that shows up on the street isn't the way to do that. So, I mean, right. that's what, that's what PAX is for. That's what like all the other events are for. Exactly. You know what I'm yeah. yeah. I was just going to so, say PAX. Exactly. Like you want to go to different showcase. There's other showcases for you, you know. Yeah, I mean that's exactly why Pax was created was to give the fans something to do. And Pax is awesome. I love Pax. I'm not shit talking Pax at all. I think Pax is great. And before COVID, I went every. I mean, I went to like every fucking Pax. So I love Pax. But E3 was supposed to be always was supposed to be a different thing. Yeah. So. Well, there we go. We dissected we go. exactly why it broke down and how they can bring it back. You're welcome. There you go. Okay, so switching to a different show, the BAFTAs, the British. Something, 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 something awards. Nice. I don't know what, we did don't know what AFT means. Did my homework. Uh, the BAFTAs were recently, and man, there were some real surprises going on at the BAFTAs. Did you follow them at all this year? I don't really follow them, but boy, it was hard to get away from in my Twitter circle. Did you see some of the shit that went I down? I didn't see it in Twitter. I saw some clips, and then I, because you told me you were going to talk about it, I looked at some of the winners, but you can tell me some of the big upsets, but... I have a couple thoughts. Um, it, it was produced really well. I like the the two people in the chairs, uh, like commenting on things. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So there's some really interesting stuff. Um, some stuff I agree with. Some stuff I don't agree with. Um, but the winners. I mean, let's see. Uh, the, I think let's just start with the biggest. The biggest thing. The biggest thing that I wanted to talk about because it blew my fucking mind. Do you know who won best game at the Baftas? The overall best game? No, I only have a couple other ones. I don't know that one. Vampire Survivors. Oh, I saw it won, but it didn't it, win earlier in the in the evening too. It won, yeah, I think it did. It beat out God of War, and it beat out Elden Ring. And who else was in that comp- in that category? I have no idea. But like, those were two of the biggest games out there. And Vampire Survivors won. I was like, wait a minute, is it April first? What's going on? I, I checked the date. I literally checked because I'm like, is this a is this a a prank? What's going on? No, it's for real. They actually won. And I think honestly, I think that was a deserved win. I really do because. God of War was just God of War. That was a known quantity. Uh, they they made their big splash with the first one. Uh, Elden Ring, as much as I love Elden Ring, it's, again, just kind of an iteration on the Souls formula. So, I mean, okay, it's good, but does that is that really like an achievement? Is it really that different? I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's an argument to be made there. But Vampire Survivors came out of nowhere. It's like this tiny-ass game with a brand-new kind of formula that we have not really explored that much. It seemed like just this weird out of nowhere thing. And then it got like this crazy success. People couldn't put it down. Formula was getting people on fire. I mean, just everything about it was just like so fresh and new and exciting. And it seemed to just like open up a whole new channel of gaming uh, for them to win, I think was was deserved. And I was really happy to see that they took that award. I, I wish I had been there 
Because I guarantee you, dude, there there must have been like the biggest fucking gasp going out in the audience when they oh, announced yeah. that Oh, yeah. Again, in person. Would have been yeah. cool. That would have been so cool. Um, yeah, I think that in my opinion, just for me personally, I, I would uh, pick Elden Ring over that just for the amount of time and experiences that I had with it. Like mm-hmm. Vampire Survivors, I loved. Uh, and I brought it to the show first, if you remember. Yeah, you did. Back you did. early access days. Um, but it's, you know, I, I can count on one hand how many hours I played with it, you know, maybe four or five hours, maybe mm-hmm. six or seven, but like hundreds of hours in Elden Ring and just crazy experiences. So I don't know. For me, that's like the bigger epic game, but I love that they won. I mean, they're fucking awesome. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the one that I thought was interesting is in one category for original property, Elden Ring was in the, in the category and also Stray. Oh, really? Yeah, Stray was in it. And I was like, Stray versus Elden Ring is a really cool just setup. Like, they didn't win, but right. Stray. But I just like that. I think maybe what you're going to speak to and a couple other options here is that the BAFTAs are like taking different stances on games, right? Or like uh, lineups and stuff and who's going to win. I don't know. Yeah, there were definitely some interesting um, nominations. I don't have the whole list in front of me, but I mean... Uh, you know, Tunic won a couple artistic achievement and for debut game. I didn't mm. like Tunic that much, but I appreciate that they won. I can see why it won. Uh, I mean, God of War wasn't shut out. They got what animation, audio achievement. I think that's that's uh, deserved mm. music as well. I mean, so they took like four or five, six awards. So it wasn't like it wasn't like a shutout for God of War or anything like that. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West got a technical achievement, which is fine because everybody says it's really beautiful. It is. Uh, and then uh, multiplayer for Elden Ring. I disagree with this wholeheartedly. I, I could not disagree more with the multiplayer the Ring win multiplayer. for Elden Ring. Yeah. I mean, number one, uh, the 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 PVP stuff didn't even exist when these awards are being voted on. And number two, if you as I said a million times, if you played multiplayer, you got invaded 24 fucking seven, literally every 90 seconds. That is not a good multiplayer experience. So I really wholeheartedly disagree with that one. I don't know why it won. I don't know what the logic was there, but that was not great. I do not agree. Yeah, that one's weird. Uh, family Award was for Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which I still need to play. Have you played Kirby and the I Forgotten haven't. Land? Man, I keep forgetting. I forgot it even existed. Uh, best British game. I feel like some bias going on there, BAFTAs. Uh, best British game was Rollerdrome, which I actually hated. So I guess whatever. It's very British. I can't take that away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's about. Those are the highlights. But for me, this the takeaway of, of Vampire Survivors was just really mind blowing. Yeah, that's cool. And I, I like any sort of alternate stance on game uh, awards because we cover them all and we you know we uh, watch them all, or whatever. And there's just a lot of repeats. Right. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. That big game that AAA and Guess millions not of dollars made for everything. Yeah. So I like that. So anyway. Yeah. Oh oh. Before we, before we move on, uh, just a heads up. Speaking of Empire Survivor, uh, it's got to have a new DLC. It already had one DLC for console, which was the uh, Eastern themed DLC with like samurais and uh, yokai and stuff. Uh, the new DLC is called Tides of the Foscari. Comes out on April 13th, so just about two weeks away, give or take. Uh, This one has something pretty fucking major. It brings animation to your characters. So two characters are going to have an attack animation, uh, which I'm very excited about. Uh, There's also a whole bunch of stuff. It's supposed to be a pretty good um, new type of content. I don't know all the details, but it's going to be something pretty fresh and exciting. Mm. Uh, So I'm always up for more Vampire Survivor. I think I'm still at like 100% completion with that game, even with the DLC included. So I'm I'm always up. I will play that game forever. Just give me more Vampire Survivor. I'm I'm down. 
I, I'm, it's like one of those things where I get nervous to go back to because I know I'll just get stuck in it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I haven't went back for a little while. But, yeah, I'll check out the DLC. All right. I got one more thing. Uh, you got anything else for housekeeping here? Um, I was just going to mention that thing I told you about, which was, um, what's it called? Uh, Sonic is Dead is a game. Oh, yeah. It is a real game, right? It it's is a real game, real yeah. Game? Okay. Yeah. So that was originally created as a April Fool's gag, and I got the press release, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, har, har, har. And then I saw somebody actually talking about it, and I'm like, oh, wait, was that not a joke? I mean, it was a joke, but it's also a real thing. Like a text visual novel murder mystery where someone kills Sonic, and you got to figure out who killed him, and you talk to all the different Sonic animals, you know, Tails and that gator guy and Knuckles and all those folks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess so you can weird. get it on Steam. Yeah, I'm going to download it today. I, I I thought it was a joke. I didn't even bother checking, but it is actually a real thing. So Yeah, and also it's free. Yeah, right yeah, on. Yeah, right so on. Go for Excellent. It. Excellent. Um, the only other thing I was going to say, just really briefly, uh, just to circle back and put a bow on Death Stranding. My wife finished it the other day, oh. um, and I wanted to come back to the ending. I know I was kind of ranting about it earlier last episode, but number one, that ending was so long. My wife started the ending, and she actually had to pause in the middle because she had to like go to work. And then she like had to finish the ending when she came back. She's like, what the hell is going on with this game? I'm like, yeah, I know. It's Kojima.101, right? But the ending, I just have to say, like, like I finished the game before. And I and in fact, this game was almost my game of the year. But it ended up not being my game of the year because the story was such garbage. I mean, that was my big stance. Um, but I still love it. I love the gameplay. I love um, the character of Sam. I love BB and stuff. I know you're not a BB fan. But, um, but as I'm watching the ending... It really blew me away. Uh, so I guess just real quick ending spoilers for Death Stranding. I'm going to spoil something very specific here. So if you have not played Death Stranding or if you don't want to know certain details about the ending, just skip ahead like, I don't know, three minutes, five minutes or something. Uh, okay, so just spoiler, spoiler stuff for the ending here. Um, they spend so long talking about like the extinction and the beaches and the death stranding. And it's all just like mumbo jumbo. None of it makes sense. You can't really figure out anything, but there's parts of that story as I'm watching it again, which it bugged me the first time, but it bugged me even more now rewatching with my wife where like the BBs and I know you don't care for them, but like, that's such an interesting part of the game and they totally dismiss it. Um, they don't reveal this until the very end, but like the, the very thing that makes the spiritual Wi-Fi in the game work, which is what you're doing. You're reconnecting Wi-Fi stations across the country is there's a baby locked into every single Wi-Fi station. And they don't reveal that until like almost the very, very, very end of the game. And when you find that out, I'm like, oh my God, are you telling me there's like these infants that are trapped inside of all these Wi-Fi stations? That's what I've been doing this whole time. It blew my fucking mind. And they're just like, yeah, there's these babies in there. Anyway, moving on. And like, they totally drop it. And I'm like, that's a huge story point. It is so interesting and gross and scary that that should be the point of the game. And it's not the point of the game. Yeah. And they even talk about, like, they talk about Sam, again, major spoilers here, he actually was a BB himself before he got out and grew up, but they don't talk about that. They don't talk about Sam's humanity as it relates to originally being a baby in a jar. They talk about it, like, triggering the extinction and the the Lindsay Wagner stuff and the beaches, and it's like, all that stuff is bullshit. It doesn't mean anything when you're missing the fact that you should be capitalizing on humanity how technology takes advantage of humanity how you lose humanity when you are reduced to a wi-fi station instead of being an infant like there's all these little issues mm. that are really relevant and important and i feel like really um relatable to people that would find people would find very interesting and stuff and they just like they brush it all away like it's like oh yeah there's a baby there's so what moving on it just it that's I, interesting oh my god my head was in my hands as a writer as an editor as a person who appreciates sci-fi i was like how are you 
not capitalizing on this thing. It's like the craziest idea in your fucking game. And instead you're talking about these beaches that don't make any sense. And the EEs and Lindsay Wagner and like you're, you're missing the fucking well, forest for the fucking trees, man. Okay. One thing, when you told me that, uh, what's his butt, his name, uh, no Maritas is Sam, uh, that he was a BB. I don't think I even knew that. And I finished the game. They gloss it over. Like, they just, they kind of just fuck it in the bin. They remember, don't even talk about it really. Remember, yeah. I didn't finish the game because you, uh, what's it called, famously told me not to finish it. Yeah, you don't need to. It's And it's I just crap. watched it online. Yeah. Which is what I did. But um, I remember the BB station thing and it being over, you know, quickly. But I don't remember Sam. And, but that's a testament to like them not covering it enough, right? Because I, I don't even remember it happening. Yeah, um, yeah. But also, you're 100% right, because if they would have done that as a through line for the whole game, I think it would have resonated with me yeah, more. Yeah, yes, you know? exactly. Ex- exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. It was just like empty spaces, and then, you know, then there's yes, a Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. If they had focused on the human element, BB, because you got a baby strapped to your fucking chest. Yeah. It's, you're looking at it 24-7 when you're playing the game. Why would you not capitalize on that thing? Um, and it, and, you know, and again, spoilers, like it, it becomes a child at the end of the game. Like, you know, you kind of adopt it as your daughter. So you should be focusing on what does it mean to use this baby as a tool? What does it mean to stick a baby inside a Wi-Fi station and leave them there forever? I mean, it's so fucking relevant and human. It blows my mind that Kojima thought that was just like a footnote. And what we should be talking about is dead crabs floating in the sky and fucking Troy Baker wearing a stupid yellow mask and he shows up for no reason. Like the stuff that Kojima focused on blew me the fuck away because it was so stupid and nonsensical and he completely missed. Oh, it it burns me up as an editor. I was like, I was dying slowly from the inside. I was like, oh my God, I need to, I need to edit the script. I need to make some changes. I need to call Kojima right now because he fucked this thing sideways so hard. Oh, the story is so bad. Oh, it just drove me nuts, dude. All right. Well, let's anyway, put right. it put it to bed. Let's put it to BB yes. bed. Put it to BB bed. Let's leave it in the Wi-Fi station and just leave it yes. there. Yes, because he did, obviously. So let's He go. did. Oh, fucking nuts. Okay, anyway. All right, enough of that. Enough of housekeeping. That's all I got. Carlos, anything else you got? No, let's talk about video games. Let's talk about... Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Egg report. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I laugh at that. I do laugh at that, though. Uh, just three. Just three today. No big deal. Although I will say I did take 18 over to my neighbor and then I took 18 over to my other neighbor. So we got plenty of eggs going on. The sunlight is a big deal. I was supposed to get some from you and I didn't. I was supposed to. Eh, We'll work it out. We'll work it out. But by the way, people don't know, and this is like, again, no one even cares, but right now we have construction going on 520, which is one of the roads here, you know? Yeah. Floating bridge. Big, huge road to get you to Seattle, basically. I'm on the east side. Um, And so it's just been closing on weekends. Like just, I mean, like it's sometimes there and it's just packed with people like miles would not even go on it because it's just like you don't move, you know? Yeah. 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 And then they close the bike lanes, too. So it's like just because of construction. So I've essentially been like trapped in my town on the weekends sometimes (laughs) now. So, yeah, Uh, well, whatever. I'll bring some eggs one of these days, dude. Okay. All right. Let's get to the show, folks. So packed agenda. Lots of stuff to talk about. Okay, Carlos, first up, we're going to be revisiting. The Good Life. Uh, we talked, I believe it was last episode, about a new DLC for The Good Life coming from uh, one of my favorite developers of all time, Swear 65 uh, The Rainy Woods DLC just came out, and that kind of inspired both of us to revisit The Good Life. I didn't get to it when it dropped because I was really busy with other responsibilities. You did play some of it. I don't think you finished, but I think we both kind of let it go by the wayside. And now that the DLC is here, I'm definitely going to revisit. And you did just go back to it, right? Yeah. So Okay, that doesn't sound too exciting. Yeah, I hear I, that tone in your voice. 
I didn't get to get to the DLC, and I might not ever, and I'll Uh-oh. explain. Uh-oh, okay. Uh, so I wanted to, because, you know, I had an interesting time with it when I first played it. Uh, fun fact, uh, not to nag on uh, Xbox again, but I did go to play my Xbox version. That's what I played it on in Game Pass originally. And it said, oh, you're, that game is, I don't know if it's off Game Pass now, but it said, like, you don't have access to that game anymore. Oh, yeah, that's what happens when they take games off Game Pass. That happened to me like three times this weekend, actually. Yeah, and that sucked because also it didn't show me that I had a save game anywhere. Mm, Um, So I was very confused and didn't know what to do. So then I told you, hey, let me play that on PlayStation. So that's where I restarted it. Yeah. Not a good experience, Xbox. That's all I'm saying. Not a good experience. Yeah, that does blow, dude. I agree. It was many hours that I spent in that game. So um, I just started over because I had to at this point figure out what the hell's going on again. And it's it's basically like a game like Animal Crossing in a way. Yeah. But with a, a weird dark undertone. This is a minor spoiler. Cut ahead for a two minutes. It, it, that the the uh, residents of the town that you go to, which seems perfect, in quotes, seems perfect, um, are hiding secrets. One of the secrets is that they're animals, uh, that they can change into animals. This, yeah, yeah. And they're sure in the trailer. It's not a huge trailer. secret. Yeah, it was yeah. in the trailer. Um, and then the idea is that there's like potentially witches and pagan rituals and other things going on. Um, and so that darkness and weirdness, especially the fact that you said there's a DLC called, what was it? Rainy, Rainy Woods. Woods, which yeah. is a callback to, um, uh, whatchamacallit, that's the original name of, what is the word game I'm thinking of? I can't think of it now. What's their big game? Deadly Premonition. Yes, exactly. So I'm like, oh, again, maybe something, a nod to more creepy stuff. Uh, the problem is, is the game is good at what it does. It's like a Animal Crossing, third person, you play as a woman, journalist, going to a small town to try to figure out what's going on. <clears throat> That's the game. But the thing is, the play, the gameplay itself, is running around and talking to people, collecting things, yes. but it's resource management and it's picture taking. And so I've forgotten that. And it's also tied to the internet. So you go to your house and you like look at like Facebook, essentially or Instagram, and you see mm. how, how well your pictures are doing. Like with likes and stuff? Yeah, with likes and stuff. And then you get paid based on that, like money. Oh, so, so it's just like real life. So Right, but this is the problem. As I was playing the game, I just wanted more of the mystery, yeah. and I was getting stuck in the minutia. And that is my issue with I don't know if maybe at some point it cuts down on that or something. Hmm. But man, they it sounds like they set you up to be like, you could just play this game forever, you know, almost like a Stardew Valley or Animal Crossing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Go have fun, but I just want to know the mysteries, you know. And I, because I, every time I got one, the last one I got before I stopped playing the first time was about witches and stuff. And I was like, "What the fuck? Witches are in this town?" But I, there's just so much stuff to do, and there's a day-night cycle, and you need to go to sleep sometimes, you know, or like you have to pass time or whatever. So it just seemed like there was so much crap to do and so many like different people to talk to and stuff. I just felt like I don't know if I can get through it to do the mystery part. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Well, that's it's uh, interesting you say all that because you're actually getting me kind of fired up for it because that's oh, basically okay. what what Deadly Premonition was. Did you play Deadly Premonition at I all? did, but I forgot it because it was 8 million years ago. So It was. It was 8 million years ago. Uh, but that's basically what Deadly Premonition was. I mean, if people don't remember... Um, that kind of made a splash because it was so 
strange and unusual and the graphics were really rough and everything and just the systems were kind of intentionally borked but basically you played a, a detective who's coming to a town to investigate these mysteries but in order to investigate you had to like talk to everybody in the town everybody had a schedule there's a day and night cycle and you had to, like you could like look in people's windows and you could like you know find clues around the town so it was really kind of almost like a small town simulator in many ways and that's kind of what i, I thought was so cool about it uh, it seems like that same kind of rough game plan is being um used again here and i think it worked really well with deadly premonition i would love to um and i enjoyed it for what it was for sure i mean one of my favorite games back then when it dropped so i would love to to do that again in the good life and now that i I'm hearing you and hearing that it is so close to Deadly Premonition. I think I'm going to have to definitely bump it up on my list. I meant to get to it this week, but uh, I'll have to get to it now. But yeah, but I, I don't know about the picture taking the likes, but everything else you're describing sounds very Deadly Premonition, which to me is, is, is a good thing. I feel like if the picture taking the likes and some of the like, um, stuff I've got a, a, a cure, nope, a, a crew. crew, yes. <laughs> I was like, I know the letters. Um, yeah, was like less than... Uh, maybe I'd be more into it. And also, there's this thing of, which again, maybe you might like a lot. If you talk to people while you're different animals, again, mm-hmm. these are spoilers, but they're kind of in the trailer. You can change at some point, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. newsflash. Uh, so if you're like a different type of animal and you talk to the animal when they're an animal or something like that, there's like different things they'll tell you. So it's like, it, again, it's investigative as well. Right, right, right. Based on who you are, what if you're a cat or not and stuff. So anyways, there's a lot to like there, but the, yeah, the minutia of it made me bounce for a second. So what might make me bounce might bring you back. Interesting. Yeah, because what you're describing is really kind of getting me excited. I, I really had a great time um, with Deadly Premonition. And for anybody listening, if you haven't played Deadly Premonition, I definitely think it's worth worth going into. You may not finish it. It is It is a pretty rough play. I mean, it's kind of... It's not meant to be fun. Like it's meant to be kind of obtuse and awkward and the systems are kind of unusual. But if you can get past that to find what's really going on in that game, I think it's pretty brilliant. Um, and that seems like uh, what's going on here. So maybe, maybe in fact, maybe the good life is the better entry point. It seems like maybe yeah. a little bit more polished, maybe more approachable despite the minutiae and stuff. So we'll see. But I'm definitely going to be bumping this up on my two playlist. Uh, well, there you, just, you go. You just moved it up like five slots here. I so. brought it to the show to tell you that I'm not going to play it so that you would play it. There you go. Uh, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. I, I did it. All right. That was The Good Life. Uh, it's on Xbox, PlayStation. I think it was on everything. And they just uh, released the Rainy Woods DLC, which I'm very excited to check out. So I will get to this game soon. I will report back and we'll see what's going on there. All right. Cool. Uh, let me talk for a minute about a couple. No, just one. Just one game for now. It's called Pirates Outlaws. This is a game that was original on mobile, and I saw it on mobile, and it was one of the very few mobile games to catch my attention. There's a lot of garbage on mobile, uh, but this one was like a turn-based deck builder with a pirate theme, and one of our, I think it was Eugene Sachs at Game Critics, one of my writers, uh, had a pretty favorable review of it. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm always up for a good mobile game. Bought it, and I just never got around to it, but then I saw it was coming to Switch, so I'm like, oh, even better. I would much rather play something on Switch than on my phone. So basically, this is, just like I said, a turn-based, deck-building, roguelike, pirate-themed game. So there's a lot of a lot of good things in the plus column for me, anyway, hopefully for you as well. Um, and I think the artwork is really cool. It's like a really intentionally low-poly, kind of blocky style, which I think looks great. It's really um, attractive. There's a lot of personality, despite the fact that it's not pushing 10 million polygons. And I think it's just, it looks really cool. Uh, so basically what happens is you pick a pirate. You only have one at the beginning. Uh, and then you 
go out to this map. It looks just kind of like a uh, Slay the Spire type map where you see these different nodes. You can decide where you want to go. Each time you go to a node, it takes away a little bit of durability from your pirate ship. Uh, so you have to be kind of mindful of that. You can't run out of durability. You've also got health that only replenishes when you find food or when you get like a little, uh, you stop at a tavern. So you've got to be pretty mindful of your health as well. It's, it's kind of difficult to get your life back. Uh, and then you fight various pirates at each little node. Like there will be, you know, one guy who's wearing a, a barrel or one guy who's got a cannon or a couple guys with swords or whatever. And every time you go there, um, you have to use your cards. Your cards will be a mix of melee which don't cost anything to use, or it'll be uh, a gun. You usually have like a little flintlock sort of thing. And you have a limit to the ammo. If you don't have enough ammo, you can't use the gun cards. So that's something else to manage. So I think there's a lot of pleasant systems to use. Um, and I think that in general, I like it. The problem is that it really shows its mobile roots. This game feels very much like it is designed to keep you playing on your phone for like a jillion years. Mm. The unlocks come really, really slowly and you have to play like a lot in order to get enough of the currency to unlock the next thing. Like I unlocked the next pirate uh, who's like more of a melee kind of guy where they regenerate life when they get low. So I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Ended up like not liking them too much and I wanted to unlock like a different pirate to try somebody else. But then it's like, okay, I got to save up like another however much currency and i just it's just really really slow i feel like you should be unlocking stuff a little bit faster um especially when you take into account like different outfits and all these other little doodads but it just it, it's very very mobile there's lots of menus um that are kind of just spread out all over the place i would imagine i can't say this for a fact but i would imagine that if i played this on mobile there would be price tags associated with some of these things there's no yeah. price tags on the switch you just get the whole game, but it feels like the, it's such a drag to unlock stuff. Dude, can I'm I guessing. just make a quick yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, suggestion? Yeah. yeah. Like when we look at new games to talk about on the show, we should probably like Google and say uh, name of game slash mobile and just mm -hmm. see if it was a mobile game first. Yeah. Because yeah. that's going to like basically tell us what the game's going to be like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I would guess that you could probably pay to unlock a lot of this stuff because it feels like a real grind. And and seeing how much is there and how far away it is was really dampening my spirit. Um, it just felt like, oh, that's so far. That's so much. I'm never going to get there. So I why why don't I just stop playing now? Because it's I'm, I'm not going to climb this hill. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but the fundamentals are really good. I feel like I feel like it's very simple in a good way. I feel like it's straightforward, easy to understand. I feel like the systems are well done, well balanced. I feel like the cards. Now, this is a really good, a good thing. The cards are not too complicated because I feel like where a lot of deck builders get into trouble is when they start adding like all these like really complicated conditions that are hard to remember. So it's like, you know, like like a bad example would be like, oh, this card will add plus three if your opponent just discarded something and then you have uh, this gun equipped. And if you're wearing the hat on the third Thursday of the month, like oh, it's it's too much shit to remember. Right. So I like, I like it pretty straightforward. So you just read the card. You instantly know what to do. You don't have to remember. You don't have to consult the FAQ. So in that way, I feel like Pirates does really well because all the cards are very simple, straightforward. If you forget what a term means, you hit one button. There's only like six terms in the game. That's not very much to remember at all, uh, but they have it right there for you. So I feel like it's good. Like it's all the fundamentals are good. It just feels too grindy. It feels too mobile. Like there's there's not enough personality um, there's no real story mode. Like you don't ever get like a lot of dialogue with the pirates to make you like them more. Um, it doesn't hold together as like a, a cohesive experience. It just feels like a lot of menus. And what I'm imagining are probably a lot of price tags that got removed and a lot of like add-ons and add-ons and add-ons and expansions, which is fine if there's something holding it all together. But it just, it just feels like a bunch of content. It doesn't feel like a really like 
cohesive game with a good theme and a good character and a good, yeah. you know, not a good spirit to it. You know what I'm saying? It's a systems game, right? Yeah, it's exactly. A, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a mobile game. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is a mobile game, and I will say it's good for what it does. Um, I just kind of wish that there was like more juice to it, more more narrative, more more emotional engagement with it. It just feels like a lot of systems. So yeah, uh, not bad, not bad. But know what you're getting into. Um, just kind of lacks lacks personality. So there you go, Pirates Outlaws. Playing it on Switch. It's also on mobile. Clearly, uh, over to you, Carlos, for the last worker. Before we get to the last worker, I was just looking up uh, Fahrenheit 451 again. Ray Bradbury. Everybody should read that book. But um, I bring it up because you said content, and it just made me think of that. Like those TV walls I mentioned earlier. Yeah. The the funny thing about them, and this is definitely a wild, not even a tangent, uh, go back to that uh, topic, but is that the his wife at the time, uh, Mildred was her name, was addicted to the content. And so the the, the level and the idea of addiction – to content was also a thing in that book. So it wasn't just about the, you know, perspective of them being watched or interactive. Sure. Sure. I, I mean, just, again, I, just like real life, dude, people are addicted to content now. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, and then even though like, I mean, mobile games could be kind of considered that candy crush, et cetera, you know? Yep. Yep. That Not was wrong. a stretch. I tried to get there. I'm backing away into the bush again. Let's talk about the game. <laughs> The last worker. Um, last worker. So yeah, this is unfortunate. Most of the games, by the way, foreshadow, uh, are unfortunate reviews for me today. But um, I really wanted to like Last Worker. Look, so what Last Worker is is uh, you're kind of essentially like a guy in a, a mobile suit kind of thing. It's like a chair lift, and you're controlling it, and you've been in there forever. And basically, you're at like an old Amazon warehouse. <laughs> If you've seen those Amazon warehouses, they are massive, and they have robotic arms everywhere picking up packages and bringing them places. Oh, yeah. So you're sure, like a sure. human in that kind of a place uh, in the future, post-apocalyptic, dystopian, that thing. And maybe that's why I brought up Fahrenheit 51 again. It is very dystopian um, type you game. you got themes within themes within themes, themes. here today, folks. It's, all, themes. it's a theme role. Um, so it's themes all the way down. That's what I meant to say. So, yeah, it's, uh, I like the setup a lot and the fact that you're like this worker who's been there for, I guess, 20 years, just forever, doing this type of kind of monotony, uh, picking up packages and whatever. And the beginning of the game starts as um, a little robot because they have to teach you how to do things, tutorial. The robot's broken, so he tries to, or it tries to take you through how to do your job. And, of course, the main character, you know, who you are, is like, I already know all this. You know, you're on the fritz. I know how to do this. But it's like showing the player how to do the game. So that's the setup. Um, but the problem with the game, besides the gameplay, which I'm not a, a big fan of. And this is like first person, isn't it's it? It's first person. Um, the, and I'll get to why the actual gameplay I don't like. Is it's a VR game. So it was supposed to be a VR game always. Oh, so do they make it flat? Okay, yes, yeah, because you're not playing it in VR right now. Yeah, I'm playing it on PlayStation regular. Okay, gotcha. But the minute it starts, the whole opening sequence, I played enough VR to know that that's a VR sequence. Um, you're smashing walls. You're just going forward. You know, it's like you're on rails, and you're just seeing weird shit happen around you. And I'm like, what am I doing this for? Because if hmm. in a 2D world, it's like I'm just watching a cutscene, you know, an interactive cutscene. Right. In the world of VR, which I've been in a lot, it can be really epic. 
you know, like that scene probably felt really cool. Like if you were feeling like you were there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like in this world of kind of be being dragged along in this huge warehouse. I'm smashing things. I see this huge sign. The CEO kind of comes out at me and is like, you're a worker. And so it seems like an intense moment in a VR space in a 2d game. It's boring. Like I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Um, it very is akin to if you have a 3d movie back in the day, and they'd like, you know, stick out something into the screen and like, whoa, here's a here's a bat yeah. in your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like if it's 2D version, you'd be like, why are they doing that? Yeah, it looks really fucked up and weird when yeah, they, yeah. if you don't have your glasses on. Yeah, exactly. So not as extreme, but that's what I was feeling playing this game. Because the other part is the gameplay itself is first person. You're in this little, you know, thing and you're going around and you can go uh straight forward, blah, 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 but you can go up and down. So it has verticality in the fact that your little machine can go up really, really high to get packages, you know, from these huge boxes and stuff. Right, right, right. And so, but everything's slow. And why was everything slow? Because you were in VR. So you'd be getting nauseous if it was yeah, any faster. Yeah, it can't yeah. be too fast. And they don't do, a lot of VR does the kind of like jump to this certain area so you don't get sick at all. So you're still moving, so there's still movement. But it's all slow. And there's like a run or whatever, like go fast in your vehicle, but it's very slow. And then there's like uh, stealth missions too, which I think, again, would be kind of fun or more fun in VR because you're trying to take your time anyhow. But in a 2D game, I just didn't want to do stealth because I was like, I'm already going slow. You know? Already tiptoeing, yeah. Yeah, this whole experience is slow. To their credit, and here's a positive spin, I heard it's a short game because, again, VR – so it'll be over soon, thank God. No, no, no. I mean, to their credit, is I think that they were doing it slow because they could, in a VR five-hour game, that totally makes sense. Go slow, have this experience, have it be more about like this you know, story about this worker in this big, huge warehouse. That's kind of fun. But being in VR in a huge warehouse feels creepy. Being in VR, yeah, being a VR game, not in VR, in a warehouse going slow isn't creepy gotcha. like you know what i mean it's just it yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. the vibe it just takes away it just takes away from what they're trying to do yeah. yeah so even though i wanted to keep playing and see what this story was like i noped out as you say because i didn't want to go slow anymore i didn't want to pick up packages it was a little cumbersome with the controller actually rotating packages where i feel like in vr it'd be much easier um you know just like with the controllers that you have in those yeah, yeah. just picking it up with my hand and moving it around would be much easier so I don't recommend the 2D version at all, but I would say that people should check it out in VR. Yeah, yeah. You know, I have played um, a number of games that were originally VR and then they go flat. And some of them I think are fine. Like some of them I think really work. Uh, this does not sound like it works. It seems like the whole point of it is to be in that environment. And if you can't get that, maybe just not, like you said, not really worth checking out in a flat version. So yeah, uh, I guess, uh, I mean, it does sound somewhat intriguing to be the last person in an Amazon warehouse uh, in the future, dystopian future. But if you got a VR set up, maybe go for it. Otherwise pass. So, Dude, okay. you know, and, that, and just to leave uh, this review with this, like that concept, what you just hearing it uh, or me hearing it back is such a cool thing that I really want to experience. Like being the last person in a huge warehouse and there's robots, you know, I'm like, that all sounds good to me. If that was a third-person game, right, or even first-person that moves fast like a Skyrim, and you're walking around this weird, huge, like, fake... Remember, um, what's it called? Cheese uh, Louise. The um, Mike Judge movie. 
Idiocracy? Yes, Idiocracy. There's these huge, like, fake, you know, in the future Walmarts uh, that are just, like, you know, hundreds of miles long. (laughs) And there's, like, restaurants and, you know, everything's inside those. So it's like that. It's like this kind of weird post-apocalyptic thing. And so I would have liked that in a different setting. I just think me moving very slowly and trying to manipulate objects wasn't really fun. Definitely seems to lack something there. So, okay. All right. Well, you know, I mean, I at least at least I appreciate the fact that they gave you an option, even if it doesn't work. Um, so, I mean, that's something, I guess, even though uh, probably not the optimal just way play to play in it VR. There, so. yeah, yeah, just play in VR. Yeah. Okay. All right. That is The Last Worker. Uh, let me talk for a minute about Storyteller. This is a brand new indie game that just came out uh, recently, maybe like a week ago or so. I got to stop you for a second. Yeah. There's so many times in this podcast where you are playing a game that I wanted to play. And that I didn't know you had access to. And then you just bring it to the show. And I go, dang it. And I kick a can. There's a can here I keep <laughs> for these moments. Because I've been wanting to play Storyteller. And again. You, you don't want to play this. Oh, okay. Well, okay. well, at least I wanted to. You know, like, sure. As sure. I like the concept of it. But that is a thing that like, it's impossible. I know. Because you have so many games. But yeah. Well, lo- you know, that's lots the, of that's times. The, that's the benefit of being the editor of a place for 23 years. Is like you get first pick of everything because I've been here the longest and I've done the most work. So, yeah. them's the perks, friends. Well, I'm still gonna kick my can, but maybe I won't because you're gonna tell me I don't need to kick the. Can. You don't need to kick a can for okay. this. Okay. Uh, so, okay. So, storyteller. The trailer is really interesting. Um, it's a very storybook, small indie experience. Um, so basically, you have a couple, like a comic book panel page, basically, and then at the top of the page, it's 2D. It'll say something like, oh, um, kiss the frog or something. And then you have a little list of characters at the bottom of the page. You'll have like a frog and a prince and a princess and a witch and whatever. Um, And you kind of slot them into spaces in each comic book panel. You can't just do whatever you want. Each panel has, I think, a background, a slot A and a slot B. So you can choose the background. The background might be forest or it could be swamp or it could be princess bedroom or something like that. You put in the background and then you choose the characters from below uh, you're like, okay, I'll put the prince in slot A. He's on the left. I'll take the princess on slot B. She's on the right. And whenever you, you slot those things in, then whatever happens will happen. So like if you put a prince and a princess in the bedroom, they will look at each other with like lovey-dovey face and a little heart will appear above their head, right? But if you put the prince in the bedroom with the frog, the frog might have a lovey-dovey face, but the, the prince will have like a sour face and it'll right. be like a meh. So you got to figure out like what the logical relationship is. And in fact, this game is all about logic. This is a logic game in the in the hardest logic sense of if A, then B and, you know, if C, then D. So you have to really think extremely like logically. Um, and I and I don't mean I don't mean what makes sense in your head. I mean, the textbook engineering logic computer programming way. Oh, um, so wait, you know let me just stop you. It's not creative then in that any way? No, it is zero creative. Then I am creative. not kicking the can. There you go. Yeah, no, no, no. See, I thought so too. Yep. I thought it was going to be creative too because when you see the trailer, yes. you think it's going to be like a scribble knots or something where yes. it's like, oh, I get to play around with it. Um, but no, what happens is if you put things in that don't go together, they'll either just like ignore each other or they'll do like a sour face or like nothing really happens. And you have to figure out how to get from point A to point B. So what sequence of logical, and again, I'm talking about like computer programming logic, what logical events will get you from nothing to the prince kisses the princess or whatever, you know, makes it a frog or something. So you got to figure that out. And sometimes it's really fucking simple. Sometimes, so like there's, one of the first ones is like, um, 
love resurrected or something like that. And so like the first one, you put a background of the prince and the uh, like the trees or something. Prince and princess, they're in love. The heart emoji shows up. That connects. The next one, you put um, the prince plus a ghost to represent that the, the, the girl died or like it's like a tombstone. And then the prince is sad. And so you have now established that the princess is dead. The next panel, you put in a ghost to represent that she rises from the grave. And then the fourth panel, you put the princess back in because she is, quote unquote, like resurrected or something. And then they get lo- they get love back together again and then you win. But if you don't get any of those steps right, you, nothing happens like you're stuck. Mm. And so you have to figure out how how do I get there with the tools that I have, with the limited backgrounds, the limited characters that I have. Some of them super, super easy. I finished them in like five seconds. Oh, that's really, really straightforward and complicated or un- not and uncomplicated. Some of them. I was so stuck, dude, because I just couldn't, I knew what I needed to do, but I couldn't figure out the steps of like, what makes sense to the developer in their head to get me to do this thing. Uh, I just was like, some of them were so stupid, so stupid hard, not because they're extra difficult, just because my brain didn't work that way. And so I would look them up online. I had to look up a lot of them online. I got stuck like a lot. And I was just like, oh, okay. Now that you've shown me what to do, I get it. But like, I was stuck on some of these for so long of like Prince goes here in a nope. How about the Prince goes in B? Nope. How about I do the princess in slot B? Nope. What about which in slot B? Nope. Like you just like, I just got to the point of where I was like running through them. Like you do in an adventure game when you're stuck and you're mm. running through your inventory yeah, yeah, trying yeah. to just hope something happens. It was like that. It's not flexible at all. It's not flexible. It's not, it's not creative. It's not a fun toy. It's like, figure out the logic that the developers have. And if you can figure it out, great. I mean, I've heard some people say, oh, this is so easy. I finished the whole thing in half an hour, which I totally get if your brain is on that wavelength. If it is not on that wavelength, you're like going to be stuck. And they're like bragging about it too. You're like, yeah, I just, I finished it. It's done. Mm-hmm, like that's like mm-hmm. the opposite of what, what I want from, like you said, that trailer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I heard people say that it was too easy. I heard some people say that they took too much out. Apparently there was a demo that had a lot more characters, a lot more scenarios. Mm. And from what people were saying, a lot of it got stripped out. I don't know about that, but that's what I heard. Uh, but for me, I I did not enjoy the just the, the, the raw logic test of A, then B, then C, then D. I just, a lot of it didn't make sense to me. And I did not, I never got a flow. I never got in that state of where, where I was just really picking up on what the developers were doing. You know, it just, it was really frustrating. All right, I'm cutting that can back and not going to kick it at all and just sitting there on my table now. Yeah, so Storyteller, it's cute. It's really charming looking. The trailer's great. Um, And you probably would have fun with it if you are on that zone. But if you're not in that zone, I found it to be really inflexible and difficult. So frustrating. Okay. Anyway, uh, other one I want to talk about really quickly is called Ritual Crown of Horns. I talked about this a million years ago, um, just really briefly. I saw this game when it was at PAX. Oh, my God, like 150 years ago, probably. Um, At that time, it's a top-down twin-stick shooter, and you're a cowboy. I love all the Western games. I want to check out all the Western games. You're a cowboy, and at that time, you were in charge of a girl who was possessed by the devil. And so what happened was she was your friend until the devil took her over. Uh, it happened every so often. And then and then what would happen was she would rise up off the ground like in um, Exorcist or something, and then she would start attacking you. She would summon demons uh, like the devil was working through her, and you would have to shoot the demons without hurting the girl and keep her safe until she could like um, get the devil out of her again, and then you guys would go on. Um, that, to me, was a fucking awesome idea. I love that concept of this person is my friend until they get into their 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 spell, their fit or whatever, their little their little 
time with the devil and then all of a sudden she's an enemy but you can't hurt her because you know that she's not really doing it on purpose so that was a, that's such a fucking cool concept um they got away from that and changed it which i was really disappointed by now same basic premise top down twin stick shooter uh you have to protect a woman but she's now a witch and she's doing like these rituals um she's no longer being possessed by the devil which i think is less interesting but you still have to protect her for like about three minutes per level and when she goes into her little summon state where she's defenseless, all these demons and monsters and zombies and whatever come pouring in from all around uh, the top and the bottom, and the left and the right. You got to just like run around and shoot them and keep her safe for three minutes. Um, so still an OK premise. Not as cool as the first one, but still OK. Hmm. And I do like these action games and I do like Western games for sure, especially occult Western is my number one favorite of all fucking time. So I love those. And there's not very many of them. Uh, but this game is, it's a wash. It's a wash because, number one, it is so hard. It is so difficult. The developers, uh, like like the story we've told a thousand times of the show, developers play their own game for too long. They lose sight of what it feels like to new people. And then when a new person shows up, they just get fucking blasted because it's it's tuned to people who've been playing it every day for three years, right? So, like, I'm sure this is probably no problem for the developers, but for me... Coming into this game cold, it's like, whoa, you guys are melting my fucking face off with how hard this is. Like so many enemies, so many um, people coming from all sides. And it's just really, really difficult. Uh, I think it's also difficult because there's no real good enemy indicators. So you don't know until someone is biting down on the witch. Like you don't know exactly where they're coming from. And you cannot see the whole screen at once. Like it's not a single screen thing. So like if you're down on the south end shooting zombies, you could have people coming from the north and the east and you don't see them until you run back up there. So there's no clue about who's getting where until it's basically already too late, right? Mm. On top of that, you have a bunch of guns that you can get. Um, there's a little hub you go to. You can upgrade your guns, get some magic spells, get some stuff. So that all is pretty cool. I like that. But um, they say you need to reload by switching between guns. So like you shoot your six shooter, you're out. Hit a button, switch to your shotgun, use your shotgun. And as far as I can tell, that six shooter is supposed to reload when you swap out. But it wasn't really working for me. Like I would I would switch out, come back to the six shooter. It would have like two bullets in it and not six. And I don't know what 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 it was that was supposed to make it load faster. I didn't get that. So I ended up just having to reload and being constantly out of bullets and running around and switching between guns. And it just wasn't really working that well for me. There's also some magic spells you can do, which are fine, but those can only work if you've um, killed a certain number of monsters. So if you're struggling and you can't kill enough monsters, then you can't use your magic, which means you're going to kill even less monsters. So it's kind of like the self-defeating circle. Um, it's, just, it's just really, really too hard. If it was easier, I probably would have finished it because I think the premise is basically still cool. I love occult westerns top-down, action-y. Like, it's it's pretty much in my wheelhouse, but just tuned way, way, way too hard, really too punishing. And I, I bounced after just three or four levels. Like, it just got to the point of where I, I, I'm not going to devote, like, hours and hours and hours to getting better at it. It's just, it's really too difficult, so. Yeah. Unfortunate, disappointing. I wanted it to be good, but it is not. All right. So much for Ritual Crown of Horns. Um, oh, also, I bring that up also because there's a new promotion where they're giving that game away for something. And I'm like, oh, that's not much of a prize because that's a, <laughs> a really old game and it's also not that great. So uh, that's don't don't sign up and give people your email if that's what the what the bonus is. So anyway, uh, Path of Exile. We have talked about Path of Exile a couple times over the years. Uh, I played it. You played it. And now you're coming back to it. Mm, I'm out. Oh, you're you are you're in, but you're already out by the time we podcasted about it. Yeah. All right, do tell. Do I'm tell. out. Oh, there's nothing to tell, really. Uh, so it's an old game. I've been playing a lot of. Obviously, I played Diablo Four Beta, 
Uh, yeah, still, still do want to Diablo zone. I'm in Diablo zone. I'm in action RPG zone. Uh, I want that type of game. Although they call it ARPGs, but action RPGs also like a third person. Yeah, I don't think of those as action RPGs. I really don't. Is it CARPG then? What no. What's the terminology for Diablo? I mean, I just call them Diablo likes. That's all I say because everybody I know, knows. But what I feel like Diablo people or people who make Diablo games call them ARPGs. Anywho, I don't, I don't know about that. That but doesn't anyway, make any sense to me. Diablo game. Um, right. So I've been playing a lot of Diablo Four. I played the beta up until like level seventeen or something. Didn't get the puppy or whatever. Didn't get the. the oh, cub. you didn't get level twenty to get the. I unlock? didn't. No, uh, I think we might have mentioned. I can't remember if I did or not, but you um, got stuck or something. I got right? stuck on a boss. Yeah. And I didn't, like, do what they wanted. I didn't min-max something. And so, anywho, but the point is I'm still in that mode. So there's two games on this list today that I wanted to, you know, get that fill from. Which, by the way, while we're mentioning it, one of the best ones, which I didn't beat, is the Warhammer one that we both liked. Uh, Warhammer. Uh, Inquisitor? Inquisitor Martyr or whatever. Oh, fuck. That is the best fucking game. Right, but you didn't beat it, did you? you Oh, I totally did. You did. Totally beat it, and then I went back for the DLC, bro. Okay, maybe I could go back and beat it, because I do remember liking it a lot with you. Oh, my God. Warhammer Inquisitor. I own like, it, right? It could be my favorite Diablo-like of all time. I think it might be. Okay, well, after today, which you'll hear in a second, I need something still. <laughs> Spoiler. So uh, I might... Go finish Inquisitor, dude. That's I so might. There's like, yeah. yeah, there's more classes, too. You can play a whole new class. Oh, maybe I'll restart it with a new class, then. Okay. Yeah, pick a new one. Bro. I really right. did like that. I might go back to that. That's so the, good. The, so good. The find of today. Um... But Path of Exile, I played it before. It's a million years old, right? This game's been yes. around forever. But they did do a port to consoles, and then they did like another port update patch, whatever, so that on the PlayStation, I think X- Xbox as well, yes, Xbox as well, uh, for Series X and for PS5, like load times would be better and a little bit of improvement. And they're still updating that shit too. Dude, that is still oh, an yeah. active game. That's still going on. Literally as soon as I turned it on after I reinstalled it um, and all the patches – it said like, oh, there's an event right now, and it's like this big DLC event or something. You know? Yeah, dude, that is like long ass running. It's still it's still active. So there's two main problems, and you know what? When I go back to games similar to like the Good Life or whatever, I remember why I noped out. You know, you go, oh, maybe it's just I wasn't in the headspace or something. And sometimes that's the case, right? We say that like it's when you're in the mood. Oh, for yeah. something. If you're not in the right mood, it's not going to work. Sometimes it's like, oh, I don't like this game. You know, I, I, this is why I don't like it. And when you go back, you remember. So with A Good Life, I explained why for me and why you're going to start it. Um, and with Path of Exile, it was two main things. One, the very beginning you start, which is classic, like I'm on the beach, stranded, you know, just washed up on the beach. I got to go figure it out and pick up a stick. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I picked a Marauder, so I don't know if there are different intros. But uh, do a melee, you know, fighting crabs, that kind of stuff. But the minute you do that, it immediately, the point, like the hitboxes for enemies are off. Like, I mean, this is moment one of your game. You're saying like you couldn't hit them with your stick? You can't. You don't always hit. Like some games, uh, Diablo as well, you know, they'll do like the kind of the fake dice roll. Like, oh, you yeah, missed. I was going to say, is that your, your two hit percentage, right? It could be, right? It doesn't feel good. And the way that they do it in Path of Exile, there's not, they're not showing you any feedback. You just feel like you whiffed. You know, gotcha. so again, other people yelling at the podcast right now, like that's by design. Okay, cool. I don't care if it's by design. If it feels bad, it feels bad. So it feels bad, and you also feel underpowered immediately because you have to fight a boss like right away, very much like Souls. 
mm-hmm. and you you know gonna eat shit like you have very limited health potions so you might like i got him like almost all the way down then he killed me came back of course you respawn pretty easily but the first thing is that like i don't like the, the hit detection and if it's because i gotta get better and i guess but yeah, like yeah maybe i'm su- i'm suspecting it might be because you've got a stick which has like a you know just theoretically like a 75 percent hit chance or something like that and so you got to get like the sword of chaos and that's got a 99 percent hit chance or something like that right. i'm guessing i'm guessing but you play any other there's like so many other games like this game uh inquisitor as well right where you like you hit things it's oh, just you, do, you don't sure. hit them for as much damage right and yeah and yeah. that's the ramping up of power so i hated the idea that i was going to miss things, which by the way, comes back in Diablo, which I'll talk about. Um, and so then the second thing, which is really like why I like noped out immediately is that you, the first hub you go to, which is literally the first thing you do in that game, you just fight a boss. Then you go to a town, which right next to it, you know, no traveling, no exploring, no adventuring. It's just like, it's set up like, um, MMO. It feels like an MMO right away. Like a hub, yeah. Mm -hmm. As soon as I get to the hub, there's all these people there, which I never like feeling. Again, Diablo 4 does a better job of that, where like they're sparse, but they're like tons of people. They're all talking to the same person. I don't like how they do delivery of text. Like you've got a, it is Diablo like, but it's like, you know, it just isn't, it feels very formulaic. Like this is not a story. This is like fucking messages. Yeah, just stuff to do. Yeah. Yeah. And then I look at the fucking stores. This is, again, store one, like your first store. Yeah. And it's not money. It's fucking scrolls of wisdom. And and I'm sure you have to acquire them by, A, monetization, and B, finding certain things to trade certain things. But just didn't feel like a welcoming at all. Like, normally any, if you want to call yourself an RPG, you get something from killing things that gets you some sort of currency to buy things and make yourself feel better. But I just had to like find random shit on the floor, and then when I got to the store, it was insurmountable. You know what I mean? Like, like I can't buy anything. Yeah, I not even playing, like I can't yeah. buy something for twenty gold. It's like, oh, you don't have a scroll of wisdom. I don't know about scrolls of wisdom, but I remember dipping into Path of Exile when I was in the mood for a Diablo and seeing all of the customization stuff. And some of it was real money, I believe, and like some of it was like hundred bucks or three hundred bucks or something. And I was like, what is going on in this game? Like, I just was like, uh, this seems like some world I don't want to dip my toe into. So I bounced pretty quickly because it felt like there was too much of a an online service quality to it and not enough of a straight-up adventure quality to it yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. and also it, there's the third thing. There's that part, and I and I won't get mad at monetization if it's next to fucking gold, you know, like regular-ass currency that I can make by killing crabs. Yeah. Like, give me some crab currency. Also a good name <laughs> for the podcast. Pretty good, yes. Um. So they don't do that. Then the last thing is everything's gems. There's a, and obviously that, you know, tied to the demonization, but every single item has sockets for gems. Like in yes. Diablo, certain ones do because they're rare or different, you know, like a special sword. But like every, my pants had gems, you know, like my underwear or whatever, like underwear gems. <laughs> also funny. I um, like the idea of slotting a diamond into my underwear. That's pretty funny. Right. And then getting stronger. You know, I mean, that's exactly what would happen if I had a spare diamond. I don't think it. You would. I think you get weaker by putting a diamond in your underwear. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the energy from like wearing nice bling would kind of perk me up a little bit. Depends on where it's sitting, like that's on, true. on your person. Okay, <laughs> that's true. It could it could chafe pretty. Fierce. It could hurt. Um. So yeah, I think that uh, I didn't like those three systems right away, and that's like the whole game, right? It's the, p- the empowerment system, 
uh, like the currency thing and the gems, and then the hitting didn't feel good. And then later on, maybe it feels better, but I'm not going to wait. This is the, the beginning of your game. Yeah, uh, it, do, it does feel pretty overwhelming at first, like kind of like with that Pirates game where you see the road ahead of you and you're like, oh, Jesus, like, do I really want to climb this hill? I don't know that I do. The only reason you do want to climb that hill is when the gameplay's fun enough or the story's interesting enough. But neither of that is true. This seems like a, a game of systems that has been around forever. And people who are playing it for 100 hours, then they love it now because they're exactly who they want to be and all that shit. But, and you're invested by that point for yeah. sure. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. <clears throat> Walking away. Deleted. Walking away. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I played it for a couple days and I'm like, eh, it's okay. So I, I hear what you're saying. I, I feel you on that. But uh, you also here in the notes have mentioned Diablo 2 Resurrected, which I definitely have feelings about. <laughs> but uh, I'm very curious to see what you got to say about this one. Yeah, I don't think when we uh, when it came out, I, I don't think I played it on the show. Because Resurrected is the, uh, I forgot the name of the company, damn it, you can look them up, but they've done a lot of good remasters, et cetera, yeah, um, yeah. and they did a very good job of it. Like, I think it's, like, beautiful to look at. Uh, did you play the remastered? Are we talking about the Diablo? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did play it when it came yeah. out. Diablo 2, the remake of Diablo 2 that just came out, like, last year or something. Yeah, like. yeah. And remember, okay. originally it was, like, $40 or $50. It, the reason I played it just now, obviously I was hungry for Diablo, went and found it on PlayStation. I don't mean to do this. I'm not even, okay? It's not It's not an Xbox PlayStation thing. Uh, I just happened to uh, be there. Uh-huh. $13. Cool. Right? So, I mean, what am I not going to buy that? So, anyways, it was $13. So, I checked it out. It's beautiful. It has 60 frames per second, but it also has 30 and the 30 looks beautiful. So, I never do this, but I'm playing it on 30 because it's just I think gorgeous yeah um, i mean it was it was from back in the day so like i don't think 60 was even a thing back then so it, right it, it yeah. makes sense it would look fine at 30 it looks fine but it looks yeah finer and i think that and i'd love to hear your thoughts too but like um well there's a reason why i'm gonna go play warhammer after this but uh i really like the fact that you know i watched a little documentary on, on diablo which by the way we got to mention you know just like a lot of big games they start small the beginning of Diablo was this teeny little team of people. I think I mentioned that last episode. Like Activision Blizzard isn't just all the controversy and massive companies and stuff. Sure, uh, there's real people there. Yeah, and the people who actually came up with Diablo specifically were like this little t- ragtag group of people who wanted to make a weird um, RPG. And so I think what what two and that so that got me back into it. And the fact that that the, the lighting is really cool. So it's like it's a mystery of a game where you don't see the whole map. And this was in the documentary, but like Diablo three, I loved, but it was like a Walt Disney world, you know, Disney world, like colorful, you know, like you just like ran around, you could see everything, you see the whole map and just blowing things up. But in two, it's like a creepy, almost horror feel like one where like it's all dark and it's only lit in certain areas. Did you hate that part or enjoy that? Uh, I I could take it or leave it. I it was fine. I don't generally go in for like quasi fog of war sort of things, but I don't hate them either. I mean, you know, field of view or direction you're looking. It's okay. Not my favorite, but it's fine. It's usually not something that I like the field of vision being, you know, limited, but it just, it felt like it fit that vibe, you know, the kind of yeah. darkness. Yeah. So, yeah. so I like that immediately. I like the upgrade of graphics and here the butt is coming is that I enjoyed my time, but similar to four Diablo four. And I guess, every Diablo, but I didn't feel it in three, the level scaling of enemies. 
Oh, okay. okay. So it's very apparent in two because again, the bones of two, oh, pun intended, is an old game, right? They didn't upgrade. They upgraded the graphics and some lighting stuff, but the 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 games uh, is basically like as you get better, you go back out to the same field, all the enemies are stronger. Mm, Like the same field. It's not even like, you know, you're going to the mountains and now it's harder. So that sucks because I don't care for that. No. And it's like vampire survivors in a bad way. We're like, cause it's an old school game. You go back out to the little village or the, the, the field where you just like leveled up, let's say to three levels or something. You go back out to that same field where the little just goblins and stuff were. And now it's like skeleton warriors with armor. And they're all like coming at you, like well, that's why I said vampire survivors. They're all like waves of them coming at you. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, no, I just want to go explore and do this mission I got to do. And also, they do that thing where you miss sometimes. They do, yeah. 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 So I think the mixture of the level scaling, uh, the missing wasn't really bothering me that much. I love the atmosphere, and I love the short little stories. It's like a fun game to dip in and out of. You're like, oh, I just. Do a couple quests real quick and then put it down. But like where three, Diablo three got me totally engrossed and it just, it was like a loop fest and I just didn't ever want to stop playing. Like it had like some sort of addictive quality. Two is like a smaller, quieter little thing that feels like an old PC game, which I should on paper like, but because its systems are so old and the level scaling, I'm out. Yeah. You know, I played this when it dropped. I was pretty excited. I think I've mentioned this on the, on the podcast before, but, you know, I generally like these kind of Diablo likes. Uh, I don't know that I like them as much as you, but I definitely like them, you know. Uh, and I played the original Diablo, had a great time with the original Diablo, and I've played, you know, other ones since then. Inquisitor, I think, is probably my all-time favorite. Fantastic fucking game. Um, but Diablo 2 was the one that I heard about forever. Everybody who had a PC, I didn't have a gaming PC at that time. Uh, everybody was like, oh my God, Diablo 2, the best game ever, best one of these ever, best Diablo-like, it's so great, the system's so great, it's so deep. Everybody, everybody just like just constant praise and praise and praise and praise for years. And I felt like I was really missing out because it seemed like that was one of the ones where if you were a critic, if you were a serious game player, like you had to at least try it. Otherwise, like, you know, that's like saying you're a book critic if you've never read, you know, War and Peace or something, or you're a movie critic if you've never seen Jaws or whatever. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll finally get to it. When it came to uh, modern consoles, I was like, yes, amazing. Finally, I get to play this thing that I've heard about for years. And this game blows. This game is <laughs> absolute suckage. It's you were holding on to that game. for a while. It is a miserable fucking game. I believe that it was awesome back in the day. I fully believe it. I don't. I do not feel I was misled about that. But the the genre has advanced so much since then. There are so many rough edges and player unfriendly decisions and just drag things that are just so bummer and just so tedious. And I was like, holy shit, this is what you guys were so excited about. I mean, granted, I'm not playing it back when it dropped. So different perspective, different context. I found this thing completely not worth playing, barely, barely able to get into it. And on top of that, um, as I was reading about the skill trees, the skill trees are tiny. And it's a solved game, basically, where there is like a best build for mm. each class where, you know, like I was reading the message boards trying to get some info about this. It's like, oh, if you put one point into lightning and not into shield strike, well, you're a fucking moron because you can't get the best build. So you might as well just fucking quit and start over. You you built your whole thing wrong. And I'm like, OK, mm. I don't want to 
I, if this game is solved, if there is one optimal build, you have to get this sword. You have to get this points. You have to put it in this. This is the way it goes. That's the best way to do it. Like, okay, whatever. I mean, that, and that aside, super unpleasant to play, janky, ugly, crude. Like, it is a product of its time. If you do not have nostalgia for this game, I do not think anyone would think this is a good game. Interesting. Okay, so you're biting your tongue that whole time. Um, I fucking hate this game. It's garbage. So I do like parts of it at least. I will say that. I won't I won't say it's all garbage because um, remember, what you just said is actually very telling. Um, we say that on the show all the time, expectations. Oh, yeah, so for sure. So when you came, you know, when you were talking about it and all those people talking about it, you were like, this is going to be this next big thing. So I expect it to be great. Yeah. To me, because I already kind of, my expectations were different at the m- moment I was playing it. I already knew one. It's essentially one again, right? Like Diablo one. Um, I like one better as well. I think I like one better too. I think I do too. But my point is expectations weren't very high at all. I was just like, oh, it looks like really good. I like the remastered look of it. Um, So anyways, I went back in. But yeah, I can't deal with its level scaling because then I just, the empowerment fantasy for me is gone. I I just keep getting better and they keep getting better. So uh, they must have hidden it in Diablo three. Because I think both of us played that a lot. I mean, I, oh, I had way more fun with Diablo 1 and Diablo 3 too. Is not... And again, if I had played it back then, I'm sure I'd be like, oh, this game's the best. But playing it now without having that nostalgia, all I can see are the rough edges and problems yeah, and how yeah. much we've come since then. It's ooh, unplayable, dude. All right. Well, it's resurrected, but we're putting it back in the ground. Put it back in the ground. Yes, absolutely. So, All right. There we go. Uh, let me talk, uh, man, I got, I got a couple quickies to go. I have one here. more. Do you have two more? Three more? I have, th- no, I have oh. four, but they're all fast. Oh my goodness. They're very, very quick. super long, aren't we? They're very quick. They're very quick. Let me talk. Let's, okay. let's get started. Saga of Sins. Uh, this just came out a couple days ago. This is a game that looks like a painted stained glass sort of window. It's got a very cool art style to it. I really like it a lot. It is... I guess something of a Metroidvania, but not quite, uh, but in a good way. Uh, so imagine 2D, everybody looks like painted glass. You have the ability to go into people's dreams, and when you go into them, um, you become a monster. So you have four, ultimately four different monster forms to choose from. Um, you become a monster because when you go into people's brains, they see you as an enemy, and they kind of imagine you as being a monster. So that's why you're not a person. Um, makes perfect sense in the lore of the of the game. It's all fine. Uh, but bad stuff is going on in this town, kind of a medieval themed town. You got to go in people's minds, rescue them from the demons, like, you know, the the sins like sloth and gluttony and mm. lust and stuff. Those are the monsters that are plaguing the town. So you got to take those out. And I feel like it's 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 pretty good. I feel like the the movement is really good. You've got like a dump, a jump and a <laughs> you don't have a dump. <laughs> that would be really funny. So you have to take a dump no, first and then you, you do can... not know. That okay, that's miss- not in the game. Yeah, I apologize to the developers. You're not taking a dump. You have a jump and a double jump. I think I kind of just, my tongue slipped there. Um, But that feels fine. Um, Combat feels fine. You have cool powers. Like when you're the gargoyle, you can like blow fire. Um, You have like little projectiles. I mean, it all all hangs together really well. It's not like mind blowing, but I feel like it works and it it works well. And the thing I really like the most about it, um, I'm kind of over uh, Metroidvanias right now where you get like a giant map and all sorts of searching and looking for hidden stuff. Like I'm kind of over that. The thing that they do good here is the levels are really small and really discreet. 
So like you'll go into like uh, the little boy's uh, mind who's out in the farmyard and it's just like, you know, a three minute level or something like it's just basically left to right or maybe down to bottom or down, down to bottom. Oh, my God. You, can you tell I've never podcasted before? You've never. I, I this is your first one. My first podcast. You're doing ever. pretty well. You're doing OK. Thank you. Thank you. I got to work on this. Top to bottom, left to right, whatever. But they're small. And so you get in, you like you do some stuff and you're like, OK, cool. I finished the level. I, I, I went back to the hub and good. Like, there's not like 95 more million tunnels to explore. Um, I really liked how they broke it up into small action-packed levels. So it is kind of like a Metroidvania, but also kind of like a traditional action game. And for me, that was just my speed. I'm like, yeah, this this is pretty dope. I like this. Um, no real criticism. I think it's 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 good looking. It controls well. I like the design. Pretty straightforward in a good way. Um, if you want something that's kind of actiony, 2D, platformy, semi-Metroidvania, I think this is a good one. I didn't finish it because um, I had other review responsibilities, but it's not because I didn't like it. I just. I, I think it's pretty good. I don't really have any complaints about it. All right. Well, uh, there is a double dump in the game, though. I know that. Dude, fact. There's a double, a double dump. dump. Um, Jesus. <laughs> I played a special early access version. Maybe that's why, because it was just in the early access. I'm kidding, developers. I'm kidding. Um, no, I love the look of it, though. I'll say this. The I, graphics are pretty bad. I'm yeah, really so good, really good. Uh, away from Metroidvania right now. I don't want to go anywhere near one. But, man, do they look cool. Like I just brought it up, and it gave me a visceral reaction. Ooh. Um, I was like, what am I feeling? I don't know. Maybe you got to take the double dump. <laughs> I might actually. Um, <laughs> TMI. So no, yeah, uh, it just looks really cool. I mean, yeah, what yeah. a cool looking game. Yeah, I, I don't really have any complaints. I think it's it's successful at what it does. I think it's pretty cool looking. I think it's got a good theme, good concept. So check it out. I feel like that's a pretty good game. All right. How many more do we got through? A couple more. A couple. Okay. This one's going to be quick. Uh, Mayhem in Single Valley. Oh, this one got me so bad, Carlos. Is I was, it one of I, those? Uh, it's not that stupid publisher again, is it? No, it's not Rattalike. Rattalike. No, no, that would have been funny. No, I needed another game for the show, uh, and so I was looking around. I didn't have anything to play, and I'm like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta get something else for the show this week. And I saw this trailer come out, Mayhem in Single Valley. Looked like a 2D. Uh, I don't know, semi-Zelda-ish sort of thing, kind of, but oh. there's also zombies, there's also some item management, and it looks like there's some combat. I'm like, okay. Bro, I was just going to download speed. it. No, 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 I no, didn't. no. I didn't. No. Stop. But stop. I, see why, I see why you got caught. You, for yeah. our, our listeners, it looks like a pixelated, uh, post-apocalyptic, dystopian yeah. game. Yeah, this is. It kind of reminded me a little bit of like um, Death Road to Canada or something like yes. that, which I love. Well, I Death love Road to game. Canada kicks ass. So go play that. So I saw this trailer. I'm like, oh, okay, this looks kind of my jam. I could talk about this. This looks good. I get the code and I start playing. And like, dude, it is like immediately like, oh, it's oh, it's terrible. It is awful. It's terrible. So what happens is. The tutorial is okay, so props to the tutorial. I feel like a lot of people get the tutorial wrong. This tutorial is mostly okay, although they do drop the ball on a couple really key things. Basically, you're a kid in a town. You're getting ready to go to college. Um, your dad's a loser, but you love your mom. You got a sibling, whatever, whatever. You're getting ready to go off to town, and then something happens. A truck rolls up on the other side of town and dumps a bunch of chemicals into the river, and then all of a sudden... Every squirrel and rabbit and raccoon and deer and whatever become like the zombie zombie version of themselves, glowing green eyes, and they're hyper aggressive. And you're like, oh, shit, I better save my town before I get to college. OK, cool. Um, you get out into the town and what they don't really explain is like how the combat works or the fact that there actually is no combat, which really threw me for a fucking loop. Right. So. What happens is you get out into town. There's all these monsters all over the place, the squirrels, raccoons, whatever, and they're coming after you. They move really, really fast. And when they touch you, it is a one-hit kill. That does not feel good right off the bat, just to know that. 
Um, anybody catches you at all, they they jump from across the screen. The rabbit does like some kind of like weird dash move or whatever. As soon as they touch you, it's one hit kill back to the start of that little section. That feels terrible. Hate it. Um, it's even possible to. Oh, this happened to me, as a matter of fact. I went up into a screen, screen by screen movement, kind of like Zelda. I went up into a screen. There was a rabbit right there. Killed me immediately. I died. I got reset to the part where I entered the screen. Guess what? Rabbit's still there. Got killed again. Got reset to the beginning of the screen. Guess what? Rabbit's still there. Got killed again. And I'm like, okay, this is this is fucking amateur hour, okay? Like, you got to make sure shit like that doesn't happen in your game because I got trapped in this death loop. I got out of it, thankfully, because... I held down when I respawned and it just, it, it took the input right before and I got out of that screen. Oh, um, but it was just like a miserable fucking experience. But the <laughs> thing is, is they don't really explain there's no combat here. So what you're doing is you have to collect the food of the animal that is in that environment. So what I mean by that is there's rabbits in the area. You might see a patch of carrots. You go over the patch of carrots, avoiding the animal because it's coming after your fucking ass. It wants to take a big chunk out of your ass coming after you go grab the carrots and then you throw a carrot and hopefully the rabbit will go and chase the carrot instead of you. And then you dodge the animal. That's it. There's no combat. You're not killing animals at all. So you get into a room with like three, four or five animals. You've got to like not only have enough food, but the right kind of food. And I could never get the the acorns for the squirrels. They were up in the tree and I'm like, okay, do I need to hit the tree? How do I get the, the acorn? Oh, I'm dead. Okay, wait, I got to go back to the tree. Okay, hopefully if I sneak this way, I'm going to go. Oh, I'm dead. Okay. Oh, that sounds like, awful. Yeah, it was like that. It was like the whole thing. Tons of one-hit kills. You couldn't kill the animals. Maybe you get weapons later. I didn't make it that far. Um, and a lot of wandering around. And I just, like, I got to a point where all I was doing was wandering around and I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. And I was constantly getting one-hit killed by the animal. And I'm like, this is fucking miserable. Uh, I hated it. Really poor design. Really poor start. I mean, if you're going to make a game difficult, maybe build up to it a little bit. Because this is, like, one of the worst first impressions I've gotten all year. Uh, it just was a, a terrible time. I found zero fun in it. I got really frustrated and I bounced and I'm never coming back to this game. So, okay. Bye bye. I'm not going to touch it. Bye bye. Do Thank not you. spend one Sorry. cent on that game, dude. Yeah, it is miserable. Um, the other, other thing I'm talking about now, I have one more, but I'll save it for the end is citizen sleeper. My game of the year last year, love citizen sleeper coming from developer jump over the <clears> age. <throat> this is the visual novel slash RPG slash kind of tabletop mechanics slash 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 there's all sorts of stuff mixed up in this to make a really delicious stew of a game uh, my favorite game last year by far had a wonderful time with it I gave it a 10 out of 10 I think it was amazing uh, excellent experience for me um, put out some DLCs there's three DLC total and the third one just dropped last week uh, so I decided to go in, back into it and finish off those DLCs um, I played the first one when it came out and then I realized it was so short that I should probably wait for number two and number three, and let's do those all in, a, in one big chunk. That way it would be a little bit more satisfying. Uh, that's what I did, and that did prove to be true. I will say, um, as I just said, I gave the, the base game 10 out of 10. It was my game of the year. Uh, so everybody can understand clearly that I love this game, and I'm not slagging on it. But the DLC ultimately felt kind of, um, I don't know, non-essential, I guess. Mm. Uh, it was nice to be able to play a little bit longer and get a little bit more of it, but... I felt like some of the story beats felt a little bit rushed and it didn't really do anything differently that you weren't already doing in the base game. Um, I didn't feel like the stakes were as high. I didn't feel as involved with what was going on. And um, when you finally wrap up the third DLC, it really felt like it just ended too soon. Like I was kind of waiting for more of a, a finale and I was like, oh, maybe I missed something. Maybe I, maybe I should go back in. And I, I went back in and when you restart your game, it just puts you back to before the finale. So there's nothing else to do. Oh, okay. Except for that. just 
Yeah, yeah. Just just rewatch the same stuff that you just watched again. There's no other choices to be made. There's no other quests to do. So that was really it. It's not bad. And I mean, if you get the game now, it has the DLC incorporated into it, which I think is fine. Um, and maybe it would hit different if I, if I didn't know that and I played the whole game with the DLC. And if I saw the DLC ending as the actual ending um, and not the real ending that I got before with the base game, maybe I'd feel a little bit differently about it. But I thought the original ending was awesome. And coming to this now, it's just like, cool. Yeah, I still like it, but I had a really awesome experience before. This doesn't feel better than that. It doesn't feel different than that. And the ending that I got, it honestly felt a little rushed. And it really felt like, oh, is there more? Like, is where's the where's the rest? Is this, oh, is that it? Oh, uh, okay. I mean, sure, I'm not mad. But, like, uh, it, it, the whole thing, it's kind of felt non-essential. And I don't know why they wanted to do the DLC. It's not even like a cash grab, right? Because all the DLC is free. So it's like it's not even like they needed more money, which I would kind of understand. But they're just like, here's this extra stuff and have it for free. Cool. But also, I don't know. I just, I just didn't think it was adding that much to the experience. Well, you know, it reminds me of Cyberpunk where when I beat the game then they said, oh, there's all this extra stuff we can do now, you know, and to go back in. And uh, I didn't want to because, again, it was before I beat the game. Yeah. And all these extra missions. And then that's why I'm hoping the new DLC is actually after I really do. It's got to be. Yeah, it would be um, crazy if it wasn't. But I think it's in this context that you're talking about. It's probably just like extra stuff on the cutting room floor. I'm guessing, right? Yeah, like maybe. when they were making the game, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so I'm it's, I'm not shit talking. Like I I think it's fine. And again, if you haven't played Citizen Sleeper, I mean, I give out tens. I give out like one ten every four or five years. So. I think it's a great game. The base game is amazing. It was literally my game of the year uh, over everything else last year. So I'm, I, I want to be clear. I think this game is dope and it's amazing. And it's great. But this DLC was just kind of like, I don't know. It's like I ate, a, I, I ate the most delicious steak in the world. And then someone's like, would you like a little more steak? I'm like, okay, but I just had the most delicious steak in the world. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm not mad at it, but I didn't really need it either. So yeah. anyway. All right. All right. Uh, back to you, sir, for Tainted Grail, The Fall of Avalon. So I found this because of uh, my buddy Click for Gameplay, who I support uh, on YouTube, uh, one of his Patreons or whatever, because he just does really great work and spends a ton of time going through every single RPG ever, including early access stuff and uh, new games. And yeah, a lot of time, you know, cutting together that footage. So check him out on YouTube, Click for Gameplay. It's with a four, Click for Gameplay. Um, So so he was checking out this in early access, which is what I did after – uh, seeing him check it out and uh it's called tainted grail fall of avalon now the company made an original game called tainted grail conquest or just conquest and that was a deck building roguelike uh which is totally different because this one is skyrim so it's it's basically skyrim like oh okay a, like All a right. new skyrim game uh, and now, you know, I'm hungry for that. I'm, I can't wait for Avowed, which we don't hear from at all. I don't know what the hell that game is. Supposedly, I thought it was this year, even Xbox. Um, but yeah, I just, I've been hungry for a Skyrim game that's truly first person RPG. Feels like Skyrim. I don't care if you copy the shit out of Skyrim, okay? Developers, just give me more of that physics based. You could do what you want, NPCs, you know, weird shit. I love that. Um, so the minute I saw him playing it, he's like, it feels like that, but from a small indie team, I was like, I'm in 100%. Uh, 
So it is early access and there's two main issues with it. One, for the positive, it's again, it's so Skyrim that you start in a jail cell. <laughs> you know, like uh, is Patrick Stewart there? No, no. But um it's just some guy and then you get out, whatever. But you know, it starts that way, but then it quickly changes because not only are you going through a much cooler jail cell, it's like these weird catacombs with these huge statues that look like H.R. Geiger kind of. And then the music, by the way, is fucking great. Like it made me feel really like nervous for being in this weird dungeon that I'm in. Then you all of a sudden go to like a different, very Elden Ring in a way. Like uh, you just kind of like go into a thing and you're in another place altogether. Um, I know Elden Ring is a weird choice for that in the just the kind of the setting because like these these huge statues things that look feel bigger than you you know i felt like that was a lot in elden ring Mm -hmm. the scope of it so you you get transported somewhere like to another realm while you're in these prison you know the prison area and then you learn a bunch of stuff and then you come back to the world but um so i thought that was different because they are basically showing you about all these different powers and different things in the world uh before you even leave the prison and then when you do, you get out and you meet a couple of your companions and there's like regular ass stuff, you know, fighting bad guys, picking up everything you can find, um, health potions, crafting, all the stuff you would think in those kind of games. So there's a butt coming and the only butt is I'm super impressed with what they did. It's a small team to make a game like Skyrim. It's really fucking hard. They did reuse some voice actors a bunch, you know, they probably had like six or seven, but it's not too noticeable. In general, it's very good. Like it's very fun and good. The problem is my PC. Because so technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. Because not only is there it's early access, meaning like there are some bugs, and there's some slowdown issues and load times, but I can't tell what's the bugs and what's my PC. Uh. <laughs> because this is the only main problem. That's why I paused. I'm not done with it at all because I love it, but I paused it because while just moving sometimes it will um you know freeze that that freeze that happens where like i feel like it's my processor that can't do it you know and not the game locking up itself yeah like your, your computer can't keep up yeah it's like a stutter you know it's like that light slight stutter and then it picks up and it's fine again and then it stutters again so a game like this you need to have fluid gameplay you know you're fighting all the time so I, I just want to bring it up because, A, thanks you know, to c- click for gameplay for showing me. I like anything that's close to Skyrim. I got to mention it. They're a small team. They pulled it off. It's early access. It's not done yet. So maybe don't buy it right now. Uh, but look for it soon. Uh, and if you have a really powerful PC, then maybe pick it up now. But it's called Tainted Grail Fall of Avalon. It's like really rare that we get a Skyrim game, right? Yeah, well, not too many of those these days, and uh, I don't think that even the next Skyrim is due for who knows when. So definitely worth checking out, but maybe I would be curious to see how it runs on a better rig. I would too, and I think I, I was checking with him, and he said that I mean, he's got a great PC. Um, he even had to like bring it down to 30 frames per second just to get good gameplay. So I think there is some stuttering in the gameplay itself. Maybe it needs to be optimized probably. Huh? Yeah, but I'm not like I bought in it and or got early access or whatever. It was pretty cheap. And it's going to sit on my drive. I'm not going to delete this thing, you know. I'm excited to go back to it. That's my review. Right on. Right yeah. on. Okay. Uh, sounds good. Check that out if you want another Skyrim-ish sort of thing. Uh, only one more quickie for me, and then we'll get into the uh, the 
last legs of the show here. Uh, just a quick heads up on Terra Nil, N-I-L. Um, this just came out maybe two, three, four days ago. Uh, this is a, it looks almost like kind of a, a sim, like a, like a God eye sim, sort of a sim city builder sort of a thing. But what it is basically is an ecological strategy game. Um, it's coming out on PC and Netflix, the Netflix game service. Uh, so if you have Netflix, I think, I mean, probably a lot of people still do. Uh, they do offer some games for that. I haven't really explored it that much myself, but you can access those. And if you have that service, you can check it out. Um, it's it's not a city builder. It's It looks like that, though. But basically, you go to these... Um, it's like, a, I don't know, planet, some other alien planet. And it's like a wasteland. There's like toxic stuff. There's like, you know, poison water. There's, you know, whatever. All the, the, the uh, environment's really messed up. And so you have to bring technology which cleans up the place. Like you have these little um, platforms that enable coral to be in the water and it cleans up the coral. And then you uh, have like these uh, filters that like clean the air and like make the air cleaner. So you're not building cities and increasing population. You are clearing the air and like restoring the natural status of this place, which I think is a pretty cool spin. And I think it's something that we could probably use in real life. So maybe we can take a few fucking examples from this. Um, I think it's pretty cool. It's it's uh, It looks nice. I didn't play this myself, full disclosure. Uh, my son uh, is the more of, way more of a PC gamer than I am. And he was really excited for this. So I got him the code and I sat next to him, watched over his shoulder as he played this. He had a great time. He loved it, actually. Um, he said that his favorite thing was terraforming the environment was satisfying um, and in this positive sense, right? Of just like turning the world livable. He really enjoyed like cleaning up like the toxic stuff and seeing the improvement right before his eyes. And it, it just had a different feel rather than destroying something or, you know, clogging some empty plane with a bunch of office buildings or whatever, or putting parking garages all over the place and watching your population grow. He said it just was really relaxing and, and got a good vibe going in his head to know that he was like, cleaning up the place um mm. there's all sorts of systems there monorails and tech and all sorts of different things he said he didn't um enjoy the monorails that much that was one aspect of it that he wasn't a fan of but other than that he had a pretty good um pretty good time with it and the environments were pretty different there was lots of different uh things to tackle there was like a beach and a forest and uh, a desert and all sorts of stuff so seeing the new biomes um kept him pretty busy and he had a great time uh, he said he would really recommend it and he, I think, is on track to finish it. So he definitely gives it a big thumbs up. And he said that if you liked those kind of things, like a Sim City, but like in reverse with more of an ecological spin, uh, he had a great time. He said he really, he really liked a lot and he does recommend it. Yeah, it seems like a green version of Sim City. Yeah, 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 um, exactly. Also, fun fact that developer worked on Broforce. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Interesting. They Interesting. did Broforce. It says, it says here on Steam. Huh, right on. So Terra Nil is definitely a big win. It looks pretty fun to me, although I'm not much of a PC player, but my son had a great time and it kept him busy for a while. So uh, from that aspect alone, big ups for me, because that means I could uh, <laughs> go do something else when he was playing a game. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, cool. I think that is going to do it for the main content of the show. Um, just a couple non-games related things before we go. Carlos, you got anything? Yeah, a few things, even though I am exhausted. Um, big door prize. I've been waiting for this for a while. It finally is out. I think five episodes are out. Uh, if you don't know what Big Door Price is, because I had no idea what you're talking about. Okay, I'm a nerd and I watch every trailer for every show that comes out ever. I've been waiting for this for like a year. Um, so Chris O'Dowd, Chris O'Dowd, uh, he is a very funny guy, and he was from the IT Crowd. Do you remember that show? 
I have seen it. I don't remember which guy he is. Okay, he's the uh, Irish guy from Ireland. Uh, okay. Thick Irish accent guy. Anyways, he's been in tons of movies since, like major films too. But he also does a lot of indie stuff, and I just love him. And so anyways, he plays um, a guy who's in a small town. Uh, he's married. He has a kid. Uh, everything's kind of like stable, small town. He thinks he knows, you know, what his life is about. But uh, mysterious are not an arcade cabinet, but it looks like an arcade cabinet shows up in one of the stores and it's called, fuck, what's it called? Oh my goodness. How do I not know the name thing in the main is it, thing? Is it called grand prize? No, it isn't. Um, it's like butterfly. Oh my goodness. Morpho. I think it's Morpho. Anyway. Anyways, it shows up and it says it gives you, when you put money in, it gives you a card and says what you're supposed to do with your life. Um, but it says like it like this is what you'll accomplish. This is like everything you'll accomplish is this word or words, mm-hmm. and so it like supposedly knows. Um, and then th- as people get the cards, they start changing their life. Like the, the like uh, uh, was it the supervisor or the the principal of the school decides because it says you're, you're going to be a Harley driver, you know Harley rider. She buys a motorcycle and just drives drives a motorcycle and is very satisfied by that. Um, anyways, it gets weird because everybody gets different things and they're acting on it. And of course, uh, Chris O'Dowd kind of feels like the weird everyman who's left out and doesn't understand what this is all about. Anyways, it's got a mystical Black Mirror vibe to it, and it's fucking great. Also, the producer and the writer of Shit's Creek worked on it. Oh, okay. What was the name of this? This it's uh, called show Big Door Prize, and it's on Apple. So that's why a lot of people probably didn't know. Apple TV has a ton of like really good shows. That's one of them. Uh, I watched two episodes so far. I'm like totally hooked. It's very well produced. It's awesome. All right. Excellent. Uh, and the other one that I'm starting tonight, well, not starting, I'm just going to watch tonight. It's a movie. Those are crazy. Uh, Tetris came out today. Uh, also oh, on Apple. yeah. I heard that was great. I heard it was really good. Yes, I heard it's very good. Also, we've been watching that for about a year. I watched the trailer a long time ago. Very excited for that. It's out now on Apple. I'm going to check that out. And then lastly, Dungeons & Dragons. Um, oh, man. Getting great reviews. I am excited to see it in the theater at some point. I don't know when I will. But uh, because I was reintroduced to that idea, I went back and watched the old 80s TV show. The cartoon. The cartoon, which is on uh, YouTube, um, almost all the episodes. Uh, I think all of them are up there. And so I remember that. Did you watch that as a kid? Oh, hell yeah, I did. I watched that on Saturday morning for sure. It was so fun at the time. I knew even back then because I, you know, probably at the same time or if not a little bit later, played the pen and paper version. And, you know, it's corny. It's like a little corny. But it was also like all we had. And I was like, well, they're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Your, your multimedia experiences were pretty limited back then. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, I bring it up because, one, all the episodes are on YouTube, so recheck it out. And then, two, they said in the beginning of this year they're rebooting that TV show. As a cartoon or as a live action? As a cartoon, I think. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. It Ooh. might be live action. Um, so anyways, there's a couple Dungeon Dragons things. Right on, right on. That's what it. else you got? Anything? That's, That's it. it. I'm done. Okay. I got a bunch of things here. Um, started watching the Junji Ito series on Netflix. I'm a big Junji Ito fan. Uh, been reading his books for a while after I got turned on to them from Twitter. Uh, really great stuff. Really super creepy and weird and just bizarre. Um, I will say that the Netflix series, ugh, pretty hit or miss. Like I don't feel like it's great. We watched, I think, maybe four episodes last night, my son and I, and one of them was real good, 
one of them I felt like was kind of a parallel um, for COVID almost. Mm. And so it kind of hit home a little bit more. It was a little, a little creepier because you could see what they were alluding to in that particular one. It was about people whose heads become balloons. It sounds it sounds like nonsensical, but when you see it, you're like, okay, I get what you're doing. Like, this makes sense. Like, it, it all came together. That was a good one. Uh, but the three previous we watched before that were just like, huh? Like, you get to the end of it and you just kind of shrug and you go, well, that was a thing I watched. I don't, huh? So I don't know what's getting lost in translation here, but his books have all been pretty fantastic. Uh, really like them a lot. And I don't know. It feels really just, mm. So, so, so far. We're going to keep watching. I think there's only 12 episodes, so we're about a third of the way through it. But uh, I don't know. Not a great not a great hit record so far. So mm, there's okay. that. Um, started watching Severance on your recommendation, finally. Yeah. Wow, dude. That is a that is a wild and also, I mean, excellent. Really excellent. Really good show. It's kind of different than I thought it was going to be. Uh, but we are hooked. Like, it is really quality. So I'm very curious to see how it turns out. It's intense uh, quality. It's like one of my, yeah, my favorite yeah. things I've watched. And I love wow. that intro, too. Oh, man. It's like for people who, who maybe have forgotten, Severance is when it's a sci-fi series starring what? Adam Scott is his name. Is that right? Yes. Adam the Scott. guy? Yeah. Adam Scott, where you go to work and then when you leave work, um, you you do not remember what you did at work because there's been a surgical procedure in your brain so like when you go home all you remember is your home stuff you don't remember work when you're at work you don't remember your home stuff um it really quickly devolves into like a lot of social commentary and a lot of like suspense and like creepy fucking shit going on and we're about halfway through and i'm like damn dude i gotta see how this turns out it's it's real i mean i knew it was good and you said it was good and everybody said it was good but it's actually even better than i was expecting it to be so i'm i'm really into it right now that's really good uh john detero christopher walken and patricia arquette Oh, yeah. Everybody's great, dude. Everybody's great in that. Great stuff. Um, I watched... Okay, so we finished Poker Face uh, last week. We watched all the episodes. Natasha Leone talked about it. It's great. And that was obviously inspired by Columbo. So as an experiment, we went back and watched an episode of Columbo, uh, the actual stuff. You can get it on Peacock. I think it's on several channels for free, uh, the whole series. I looked up online, what are the 10 best Columbo episodes? And we picked, like, number one. Uh, and I don't know. Have you seen Columbo recently, dude? Not recently. No, not recently. I used to watch it with a grandma back in the day when I was a little kid. Uh, she is gone, but we had a lot of good times watching Columbo together and we watched it. And I, as I watched the, um, the episode list, I'm like, what the fuck? Every episode is like 90 minutes long, dude. I'm like, what? That's a movie. How are these all movies? And if you take into account, this aired when commercials were a mandatory thing, when you had to actually watch them. Uh, that means these episodes were all two hours long, dude. If you factor the commercials in, that's not. I don't remember. I don't remember Columbo being a consistently two hour thing. Um, we were all a little scared, and to be honest with you, it it was it was long. They could have cut out a lot of stuff. Um, it's a really seventies thing, so you can see they spent a lot of time on stuff that we wouldn't put up with these days. A lot of cuts they could have made, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But overall, pretty cool. I mean, Peter Falk is really cool and likable as Columbo. You know, the bumbling detective that seems like a numbnut and then he actually gets in the end because he's been onto your ass the entire time and just didn't let on about it. Uh, we watched one and when all the pieces came together, like it was really satisfying and cool and it was it was good. It was really good. I just wish they had um, cut out like 45 minutes of it. Yeah, um, there was lots of scenes where it was like, I'm just like, why are we watching this? This is not relevant. This is not needed. So it's an interesting study in how we have advanced in um filming i don't know directing qualities directing habits directing choices um 
very different, very different stuff than it would be these days. But still, still good, still good. I will put an asterisk and say not advance, but change because change. <clears throat> sure, change. That's a fair word. Like seventies movies are super slow. We I think we talked about it in the show before. Yeah, yeah. But um, are they? A lot of them are, and but they're just a different time period and different things. Exactly. Yeah. I don't mean to say that one is better than the other, although I think people will. You got to kind of know what you're getting into because it's it's different. It feels different. Uh, but yeah, just difference yeah. in directing and stuff. It, it was kind of a mind fuck a little bit. Uh, we watched. Uh, oh, I want to r- wrap up Wreck. I talked about last episode about the uh, the gay kids who were on a cruise ship. And it was kind of a murder mystery. We finished Wreck. Oh, my God, dude. It was really good. It was really super good. Um, it was fun and cute and romantic and silly. A little bit of murder, but not too bad. And then the, like the last three episodes... They just like ramped it the fuck up. And oh man, when they get to the reveals and shit, number one, it didn't, it was not what I thought it was going to be. And when they, um, I'm not going to spoil anything, but God, it was like, it was like gut churning, dude. And it wasn't even like it was gory or anything. It was just like the social commentary and the points that they were making and the stuff that they were talking about. Oh man, it really impacted me like really Mm -hmm. hard. And I had a really strong reaction to it. And I, I, was, I, I felt it, man. I felt it for like a day afterwards. Like I was just feeling it. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything more, but like Wreck is great. It's only like six episodes. It's a quick watch. And I feel like it was really, really well done. And when it gets to that ending, man, oh, fuck. Ugh, it kind of messed me up a little bit, dude. Like for real. All right. I'll check it out. That is good stuff. I watched Cocaine Bear. Have you seen Cocaine Bear? It's in my queue. I haven't seen it yet. It's goofy. It's goofy, it's- but I like the, the, what's that woman's name who produced it? Um, uh, Chelsea Handler. No, no, but she, uh, uh, no. The, are you sure? The, the director is she also also in the movie or not? I think she, no, no. I think she's just like a producer. Or something, I'm gonna find out in a minute. But yeah, it was funny, ridiculous. That's all I expected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a weird movie. We enjoyed it. We had fun. It does kind of uncomfortably skirt that line between absurdity and horror, and I don't know that it necessarily does it really well. It's like goofy, silly, a lot of jokes, a lot of goofiness, but then all of a sudden it got like super gory. And it was like, whoa, I got kind of like a little bit of whiplash because I don't know that it, I don't think the balance is really there. I don't think the tone shifts are really there properly. Um, It feels like it wants to be mostly silly, but then when it does get to the gore, it's a little shocking. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that it's really in a good way. I think it's kind of like in a weird way. So we liked it overall, but I feel like... um, the director, if it is Chelsea Handler, if I'm thinking if it is, it's Elizabeth Banks. Who's Oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Sorry. 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 I get those two confused. My bad. Elizabeth Banks. Um, yeah, I think that she needs to maybe work on that. I would like to see more from her. And I think this is a good first start, but having watched a million horror comedies, I think that she doesn't quite have it down yet. The beats are not quite there the way they're supposed to be. So, um, but good start. And it was fun. And watching a bear do cocaine for like an hour and a half was pretty fun. So, yeah, I think it's her directorial debut. I want to say, and again, It's. I think she was handed the script. I don't think this is like her, you know. Sure, sure, sure. Thing. I mean, she didn't know. It, it wasn't terrible. I mean, I liked it. Yeah. But it wasn't like, it wasn't as on point and as sharp as it could have been. I think they missed a few beats here and there. But anyway, last thing I'll mention before we close the show, Grabbers, another horror comedy. This one from Ireland. This one is about um, monsters that come and invade an island off the Irish coast. And they're like aquatic sort of monsters. They come to shore, they start eating people, but what happens, and again, this is from Ireland, this is not me being racist or stereotypical, uh, but the only way to survive the monsters is to be drunk because they are allergic to alcohol. And so the premise of the movie is that the Irish people have to be so drunk all the time that they cannot be eaten by the aliens. Um, Again, their commentary, not mine. I found it very funny. It was really cute uh, and a good time. And if you want a horror comedy 
and you want to watch something from another country. I thought it was pretty well done. It was it was a lot of laughs, a lot of good times, a lot of uh, it threads that needle between gory and funny much better than Cocaine Bear does. But hmm. uh, different sort of content, and uh, it was it was a good time. So grabbers, definitely thumbs up. Check it out. Check it out, and that brings us to the end of the show. As always, send us your questions and your comments. Hit us up. SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at SoVideoGames. We're on Instagram at SoVideoGamesPodcast, although I have not been posting a lot this week because I was tired, but we'll do it again. And you can reach us, of course, individually. Carlos, where are we directing your traffic this week? Uh, no, nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> Just keep your traffic to yourselves, folks. Yeah, yeah I'm fine. Carlos is offline this week. As for me, uh, all the social media channels, uh, it's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And this is going to do it for episode 330. Thank you again for joining us here on the Soviet Games podcast. And we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week.